going to share something with you that sounds a little bit like bro science, and then I'll explain why it isn't. So you may have heard that the average human has between 10 and 20 pounds of impacted putrefying fecal matter in their intestines. That's not only a source of toxicity, but it's interfering with optimal digestion, absorption, and and assimilation of nutrients. I thought this was nonsense. However, I recently did a deep dive and an exploration after one of my clients went to a detox clinic that was using this specific cleanse that I'd never even heard of, but you probably haven't either, helping people with addiction, helping people with cancers and disease states and getting all sorts of crazy results and moving pounds of this putrefied mucus and fecal matter out of the intestines and colon and completely restoring people's health. So after he had this insane experience, he told me about it. I told him he had to hook me up. And his medical staff were a little bit hesitant, but I eventually convinced them to allow me to get a kit. And I went through this three-day detox. And the first day was kind of challenging, but you're drinking different packets and nutrients and that sort of thing. On day two, I had multiple feet of this rubber-like, almost silicone, gelatinous, mucus feces, almost like it was like every piece of gum that I'd ever swallowed from childhood until now was coming out. I couldn't even believe this stuff was inside of me. And this continued for the next two days until I finished the cleanse. I felt so much lighter, so incredible. I was I was actually taking videos of my trips to the bathroom so that I could show other people because I was completely blown away. And I'm telling this story not only because it's disgusting, but also in kind of a twisted way, a little bit entertaining, but because the reason that so many of us struggle to get in incredible shape, you know, to get off that last 10, 20 pounds. Yeah, some of it's discipline. Yeah, some of it's willpower, but a lot of it is what's going on in your gut. It's these sources of toxicity from the inside. It's the microbes like candida and parasites and and dysbiosis in the gut that are producing endotoxins and inflammation from within your body that are interfering with your metabolic health, running your hormones into the gutter, especially your thyroid hormone, your sex hormones, and your insulin sensitivity. And if you're the type of person that has been fairly healthy, disciplined, doing all the things that you you quote unquote should do, and you haven't yet found that next gear, I would like to help you if this is a mutual fit. I'm going to be working with a small handful of men that are passionate and excited and determined to take their body and their health to its full potential, to get visible abs, a six-pack in the next three to six months. This will involve multiple steps, but essentially we are going to eliminate every roadblock that stands between you and the body you have always wanted and get you in the best shape of your life. We're going to do detailed laboratory tests, a full blood panel beyond anything that you could possibly get at your doctor. Even if you do hormone replacement therapy or anything like that, it blows all of that out of the water. We're going to get a complete minerals and metals test, a complete candida metabolic and vitamins test, a complete omega and inflammation test, complete food sensitivity test, complete stress, mood, and 
metabolism test. We're going to do metabolic typing to create personalized nutrition program for you. And, and then we're going to combine that with biohacks and a proven process and expert guidance from me to optimize your sleep, your gut, your hormones, your nutrition, your training. We're going to use these diagnostics and tools to figure out exactly where there are breaks in your chain, fix those, optimize them, and then combine that with accountability where you and I, you have me walking you through this process every step of the way and showing you exactly what you need to do to get the fat off, to get down to the leanest, most vibrant, ripped, shredded, optimized version of yourself possible. This is only for men who are in a financial position to invest in themselves. It's only for men who are willing to radically change their nutrition, radically change their training, radically change their mindset, radically change their environment. Men who are willing to do whatever it takes to achieve these results and willing to go all in for that 90, 90 day to six month period. We're going to start with a full fight camp, like you are a world-class championship fighter going into the fight of your life. We're going to be 100% focused, dialed in in every facet, like every single decision that you make is either moving you closer to victory or further away. And every choice that you make will either result in you having your hands raised as a champion or getting knocked out. And realistically, this is not for most people. Most people do what most other people do, which is make choices that result in them being fat, sick, depressed, and leading lives of quiet desperation. This is for the 5% of people who are all in, who are excited and determined to explore their full potential during this life experience. If you are interested in having a conversation to see if this is a mutual fit, Go to biohackercoaching.com, fill out the short form, book a time on our calendar to talk with myself or someone from our team. I've never done anything like this before. This is completely comprehensive. All of your labs are included. All of your supplements and biohacks are included. You're going to get my favorite fat burner that you can use. It's I'm, I'm, I'm going to blow the surprise. It's an amazing espresso machine. I'm going to give you the only type of espresso I drink, and I'm going to show you how to use it to burn way more fat. I'm going to show you how to get maximum results in minimum time from your workouts. There's a lot of people that you probably look at them and they might be in better shape than I am at 40 years old and whatever. I think I look pretty good. I'm pretty happy with, with, with the way that I look and feel, but there are some guys that I'm sure are in better shape. I guarantee they work a lot harder than I do. I'll show you how to unlock maximum fat loss, build maximum muscle in minimum time. I'm going to give you my favorite biohack for getting shredded. We're going to literally send you an Airdyne bike, and I'm going to teach you exactly how to use it, what workouts we do. We're going to automate your nutrition. I'm going to send you a juicing machine that you can just load up, hit a button, and it juices it all for you so you don't have to stand there and it's easy to clean. We're going to get you some other stuff for home workouts how to dial in and, and self-quantify your training so that you know that you are in that Goldilocks zone. Too little doesn't work. Too much doesn't work. You got to be right in the sweet spot. And you're going to have me guiding you through it every step of the way. We're going to create a custom supplement program. You'll have full access to my calendar. We'll be on the phone every week at the beginning. And then once we kind of hit stride with things every two weeks, there's never been anything like this, especially where you have direct access to me. I'm not 
putting you off on other coaches or anything like that. This isn't, um, while this could be a program, I think Dr. Peter Atia charges something like a hundred thousand bucks for a program that isn't even close to this. And I will be taking you through at the highest level with the full diagnostics, knowing exactly what labs to order for you and then how to interpret those labs and then translate those interpretations into actionable results that will help you become the best version of yourself. Then we, we tailor that into the expert guidance phase, as I mentioned, where we're optimizing your gut, your sleep, your hormones, your nutrition, your training, everything. And then you have that expert accountability with me via text message. You're going to be taking photos of your food. You're going to be training six days a week. That doesn't sound sexy, but I'm going to put it out there so that you know what you're getting into. I know I'm talking to the, I'm talking to the psychos in the room. The people who want to push themselves, who want to be challenged, who don't want to just get by, and they want to see what they're capable of if they direct all of their faculties and focus to a proven system that is personalized for them with someone like me in their corner. So if you're interested in this, go to biohackercoaching.com, fill out the short form, book a time for us to talk, and then send me a text message to this number, 847 989 3743. Put VIP in there. If you want to have your application moved to the front of the line, I'm only going to be working with a small handful of guys. If you would like one of those men to be you, let's do it. Much love. This is your life and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we buy shit we don't need. Ideas are brutal. If you had one shot, Everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Dr. Dominic Brandy, welcome to the Biohacking Secret Show. Hey, it's great to be here. Looking great forward to, have to you it. Here. You do a great podcast. I listen Thank to it all the time. Much. Thank you very much. I appreciate appreciate you saying that. Um, so let's start off for for our listeners who may not be familiar with your work. Uh, give us a little bit of your origin story. Yeah, I uh, my background uh, is actually I had a very successful uh, plastic surgery slash med spa anti-aging center uh, for 40 years. And uh, we were ranked uh, number five in the country by Allergan, the company that makes Botox. And I did all kind of anti-aging, uh, mesenchymal stem cells, uh, bioidentical hormone replacement Uh in the anti-aging uh, division part. And three years ago, um, we had a venture capital group come in and they made an offer and, uh, you know, I accepted the offer. Uh, we, at that point, we had over a hundred employees. So it was a pretty big uh, practice that I had. Wow. Um, my, my cancer uh, story really began five years ago. And I was diagnosed with uh, an incurable blood cancer called multiple myeloma. Mm -hmm. And for your listeners that aren't familiar with that, that is a uh, cancer of the plasma cells. They're the cells that make your antibodies. Mm -hmm. uh, people probably heard a lot about that during COVID. Um, but, uh, it, but the story really began two months before I got diagnosed. It was September of 2017. My wife and I were on a uh, two-week Viking cruise, and I've read well over 300 uh, books 
on health and nutrition in my career. And anytime I go on a vacation, one of the first things I do, I go on Kindle and I try to find a health and nutrition book. So I'm on this cruise. I go into Kindle. There's a book called How Not to Die by Michael Greger. I don't know if you've ever read it before. I, I would it. recommend Great title. Yeah. It, and that was what intrigued me. I'm going, man, that is a that's an interesting title. Um, and if anybody's ever read the hardback, I mean, it's literally two inches thick and one inch of it are scientific references. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many scientific references are in there, but there's got to be over 5,000. Um, so I started reading this book and it was the science that was really intriguing me as a medical doctor. You know, I'm not interested in anecdotal stories or case studies. I'm interested in scientific perspective studies, epidemiological studies, and so forth. And and what the science was showing over and over again was that cultures and research cohort groups that were eating more of a plant-based diet had much lower incidence of cancer, cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, dementia, and all-cause mortality. Mm -hmm. So I'm two weeks into this cruise. And I decided I was going to eat whole food plant-based because of what I was reading. Had you just been and, crushing, uh, crushing the prime rib every night at dinner and then you're reading this book and you decided right, to exactly. <laughs> because, because I would eat, I, I would, I had this philosophy and I was kind of confused as anybody. I, I would give dietary advice to a lot of patients in my anti-aging center. And honestly, I was confused as just about anybody else. I I always had some kind of animal meat with every uh, meal. I thought that was how you had to get your protein. Mm -hmm. But anyway, two days in, I tell my wife, I said, Trina, you know what? I'm going to eat whole food plant-based. And she thought I was totally out of my mind. Here we are on this cruise with all the meat, desserts and eggs and you name it. And I'm going whole food plant-based. But I'm the kind of person when I make a decision, I just go full force at it. Mm -hmm. So- We came home and it was the last uh, week of September, 2017, and I'm doing a surgical case and uh, I feel a little pop in my uh, right clavicle. And I didn't think a whole lot of it. I thought maybe it was a tendonitis or something and just kept getting worse and worse. And then it, 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 it got me to the end of October. It was around Halloween, I remember, and it was starting to keep me up at night. It was really starting to bother me. And I remember telling my wife, Trina, I said, Trina, I, I think I have bone cancer. And she thought I was crazy. She said, oh, you're the healthiest person I know. You don't have bone cancer. So I kind of, you know, kind of brushed it off and, but it just kept getting worse. And then a week later, uh, we were watching uh, television and I accidentally knocked over a, a stainless steel container of water and I lunged for it. And my collarbone just cracked right in half, my right collarbone. Oh. And, uh, I mean, it, it was ext- extremely painful. We went to the uh, urgent care center. The x-ray was totally displaced. And I uh, got an MRI, went to an orthopedic friend of mine. And he. I remember he called me. It was a Friday night. And he said, hey, Nick, I, you know what? He said, I, he goes, I think you got a tumor in there. And it like totally, just totally blew my mind. I mean, my whole world was uh, totally rocked and devastated. Um. Had so he, then I had, had a, seen some like an x-ray or a diagnostic. Or yeah, the MRI just... showed there was a three centimeter, uh, what they call plasma cytoma there. So mm-hmm. so I went to an oncologist. Uh, they did an MRI. They did a biopsy of the of the area where the tumor was. They did all these blood studies and they came up with this IgA kappa myeloma. And 
for your listeners, there's three types of basic myeloma. There's IgG, IgA, IgM. Uh, IgA, the one that I had, is the most aggressive. IgG is kind of in the middle, and IgM is the least aggressive. So went to the oncologist. We discussed my case. He said, because I had this IgA, he wanted to do this triple regimen of two oral medications. And then I would have to go in every week for this injection into my abdomen. It's called Valcade. It's a proteasome inhibitor. And um, and I I was doing some research on it even before I went to visit him. And I, I, I learned that just about everybody that gets Valcade gets a pretty bad peripheral neuropathy. And because I'm a surgeon, I was concerned of losing dexterity in my fingertips. So, yeah, so um, peripheral neuropathies like numbness, tingling, loss of sensation in your extremities, arms, hands. Legs, exactly. Feet. And and when people get it, usually they'll, they'll start on the kind of their toes and their tips of their fingers. Uh-huh. And then it can even um, it can even get to the point where it's it's like chronic pain that people mm-hmm. get. And then some people can't even walk. I mean, they actually lose so much sensation, they can't even walk with peripheral neuropathy. So I, I really didn't want to go there. Um, and remember, at this point, I had already been eating whole food plant-based for two months. So he pulled me into a side room. There was a, another patient there that had done the Valcade treatments, and he tried to get him to talk me into doing the Valcade. Uh, and that guy's actually a good friend of mine. We go out all the time now. That's how I kind of was introduced to him. But I came back to the oncologist. I said, hey, doc, listen, I'm I'm not doing a Valcade. I, 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 I'm just going to do these two oral medications. Uh, you know, I've been eating whole food plant-based. I, I'm 100% sure that's going to help me. He was upset. Uh, he didn't think I was going to be able to get into a uh, remission. So the I was just doing- medications were, were chemotherapeutic well, agents? Yeah. Well, there, one's, uh, it's called Revlimid, which is an immunomodulating uh, drug. Um, and they're not really sure 100% how it works. They know that- it decreases uh, angiogenesis, uh, and it and it uh, kind of jacks up your natural killer activity, killer cell activity. But other than that, they really don't know the other ways that it works. And then I was on dexamethasone, which is a, uh, a cortisone. I would take that once a week, like every Monday. I would do that. I would do the Revlimid twenty one days on, and then seven days off. So, okay. so I started that the first month. I saw a little bit of improvement. In fact, I was a little concerned. I remember calling my oncology. He said, I think I think you did great the first month. And then the numbers just kept getting better and better. And by the sixth month, I was in a complete remission, which he was totally befuddled by that, he, that I got into a complete remission just on these uh, two oral medications. But what were the, know- the biomarkers that you guys were putting the most emphasis on tracking? you know, to, to indicate whether you were improving or getting worse? Well, I had an IgA mm-hmm. uh, myeloma. So that's one of your immunoglobulins. So the IgA was extremely high when I got diagnosed. So okay. they they checked the IgA. That was coming down gradually. There's something called an M-spike. So when this one plasma cell kind of goes out of control, it forms this antibody. They call it a paraprotein. It really doesn't do anything. All it does is jacks up your body. It it attacks your your kidney. Uh, It can create uh, like anemia because essentially it's kind of crowding out uh, all the other cells. And and one of the things I did notice over 10 years, I would get my lab work uh, done every month. And I noticed my creatinine level was was gradually uh, 
going up. It wasn't abnormal, but I didn't really think anything of it. You know, I don't, I, I'm not a big water drinker. I don't, I don't really drink enough. So maybe it was that I thought, but looking back, uh, that was one of the things. And then your, your, your white counts can get out of whack. And that was the other thing that I noticed when I was doing yearly blood work, I noticed my platelets were coming down a little bit. They were still normal, but they were very, very low normal. And were, were um, your white blood cells low as well. Um, no, my white blood cells were fine. It was mainly okay. the platelets and the creatinine that were coming down. But okay. so so what they use as a biomarker, it's called an M spike. So that's that pair of protein level. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they check that. So they're the main, I would say they're the main two things. And then your free kappa light chain. So um, light chains are uh, the free kappa light chains um, are antibodies. And the way the structure is, they're different from a normal antibody. So we all have some free kappa light chains and or free lambda light chains. Um, when people have myeloma, either the kappas, the free uh, kappa light chains kind of go out of control or the uh, free lambda chains. Mine was a kappa. So my oncologist was basically checking the IgA, uh, he was checking the M spike and he was checking the free kappa light chain. So they're basically the three biomarkers that he was checking. And those were coming down every month. And like I said, by the time I got the six months, I was in a complete remission. Um, now, what that's awesome. And now for context, sorry to cut you off. I'm just trying oh, to know because this fine. is this is important. I think it'll be uh, better to 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 kind of dig in now when when you get a multiple myeloma diagnosis. I'm sure you're asking questions like what what is your success rate with this type of cancer you know what are my odds of remission what are my odds of of being able to stay healthy for the rest of my life so on and so forth did you get that data when when you first got your diagnosis and what were you know what did the doctor tell you well if you look at the uh there was a really good article in the journal leukemia and uh they basically looked at when is the median uh, time when most people go out of remission. And um, in myeloma is kind of known for this. People go uh, into remission and they relapse and they got to use a different drug. And then they go and they're on that for maybe a couple of years and they relapse. It just kind of goes on and on. Um, the average time where uh, a person gets out of remission is typically about two years. It's anywhere from like four months up to 26 months. Um, I'm like five and a half years now. Uh, I've stayed in a com complete remission. I really think a lot of it has to do with all the lifestyle things that I that I do and I learned. Um, so that all kind of started when I got diagnosed. I took a deep dive into the scientific literature. I mean, I'd wake up every morning and I, I literally would study three to four hours. Uh, I'd be on PubMed. I'd be looking up every single thing that I could do to enhance my chances of getting into a remission. Yeah. Um, like your life and, depended on it. Oh, I mean, <laughs> yes, because I wanted to live. No. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a, I have a great wife. I have great kids. I mean, I have a great life and I, I wanted to live. Now there's some people and Dean Ornish brought this up one time uh, in a video that I saw, and I never even thought of this. Um, he was talking about why some people really don't want to make a lifestyle change. And he said, you know what? Some people have really crappy lives and they don't really care. Right. And I never really ever thought of that before. Um, you know, I have a great life and 
you know, I want to live as long as I can. And that's why I did this deep dive into the scientific uh, literature. So what was happening? I was learning all these things. I and mean, I take over 30 uh, herbal supplements. Um, mm-hmm. And all that was from the science that I was learning. Uh, you know, I exercise every day. I get really high quality sleep. I keep my stress down. I do intermittent fasting. We can talk about all that as we go along. But I was getting all this information and it was almost exactly a year after I started my treatment. I decided I I wanted to share this with the public. Mm-hmm. So I arranged a, uh, a hotel and I was going to give a lecture. Uh, I've given many interviews uh, with a lot of the local TV stations on you know, plastic surgery, med spa, anti-aging uh, procedures that we do. And there was one uh, anchor that I knew and I called her. I said, hey, Michelle, can you do a little story? I'm going to be doing this lecture, you know, kind of all the things that I'm doing, uh, uh, you know, my cancer diagnosis and some of the natural things that I'm doing to help me get into this remission and stay there. So she said, sure. In fact, that interview is on my website, naturalinsightsintocancer.com. So I figured I was going to get maybe 50 people there. Mm-hmm. So we're there. And I mean, these people were just coming in left and right. And we ended up with 125 people there and we're pulling chairs out of the restaurant. And it was, you know, people were standing. It was kind of crazy uh, that day, but I had voted. I really, it was that I just, uh, I put it on my, I had a Facebook page at that point. It was just my friends and so forth. So I, I put it, I put it on there. And then when she did that story, it was on uh, WTA. It's one of the large, uh, stations in Pittsburgh, I guess, I, I guess, you know, there's a lot of people with cancer out there that are interested in finding about natural things that they can yeah, do. Yeah. So I think cool. most of the people there were cancer patients. So <laughs> I had scheduled this to be an hour, I, you know, and I, I don't know how and how I dragged it out to two hours, <laughs> it ended up being a two hour lecture. You know, people were asking me questions, uh, you know, in between. And when I was done, uh, they gave me a standing ovation. And I don't know why. I don't. Maybe they felt sorry for me. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe they thought the lecture was great. I don't know, but I personally think it was because there were a lot of cancer patients out there, and I think they thought that they were at the mercy of the surgery, the chemo, the radiation, and there wasn't anything else they could do. I, I mean, I personally think that's the reason. In fact, I had a lot of people come up to me after the lecture. There was one lady I remember. Uh, you know, she was definitely overweight. And she was diagnosed with myeloma. And uh, she said, hey, you know, my I went to my doctor and uh, I asked him if I should change my diet. And he said, oh, no, just keep eating the way you're eating. You know, you'll do just fine. And she told me I knew that wasn't right. That just did not ring right with me. And I had other patients come up to me afterward and they said the exact same thing, that their oncologist really just told him, just do the chemo, do the radiation, and you'll just be fine. Don't change your diet. And I will tell you, and you probably know this from interviewing other physicians. I mean, doctors really know virtually nothing about nutrition. Um, it, would be less, medi- it would be less dangerous and harmful for the physician to just say that than to say, keep eating what you're eating. If you, yeah. if you just said, yeah. if you just yeah, said, right. exactly. I, I, you know what? I don't know. We didn't really cover that in school. So yeah. um, maybe try doing some research on the internet or, you know, th- the person would be better off than him being like, keep eating what you're eating. It's great. Right. 
but but what's interesting, and I've discussed this with my on um, my personal oncologist, and he's changed a lot of his habits since he's had me as a patient. Good. Um, nice. Like I told him, I said, hey, listen, the National Cancer Institute recommends nine servings of fruits and vegetables for the prevention of cancer. Why can't you just tell people to do that? Mm-hmm. And he and he does that now, and he wasn't doing that before. But that's a nice. simple thing, you know. If that yeah. prevents cancer, you should definitely be doing that during your cancer treatment. In fact, I I think if you have cancer, you should be eating a hell of a lot more than nine servings of fruits and vegetables per day. But mm-hmm. at least do that, you yeah. know, while you're getting uh, while you're getting the treatment. So um, so what happened uh, after that? I started my website, naturalinsightsintocancer.com. I started an Instagram site. It's called Cancer Veggie Doc. I have over 37,000 followers uh, on that site. And I started to have monthly meetings at my one of my three med spas. And I, I would get 50 up to 100 people every month coming in. I was inviting you know, speakers uh, to talk about uh, how more of a plant-based diet can have a positive effect on cancer, cardiovascular disease. And then people kept asking me about whether or not I was ever going to write a book because I had all this knowledge and I was kind of sharing it with them. And then it was Memorial Day um, 2019 that I decided I was going to wake up every morning and write for an hour, do research in between, I had a writing coach that told me, if you write 900 words, the average person can write about 900 words in an hour. She said, if you do that every morning, you should have a short book done in a month. You could have a medium book done in two months. You could have a long book done in three months. So I did that. I woke up every morning. As soon as I woke up, let's start writing. By Labor Day, I had the book completely done. Uh, 370 pages, over 500 scientific references. Uh, First week of November, I had a on Amazon the second week in November, I had a, I had a book launch. uh, So it, you know, it's like, I just had, I had all this information in my head and I just wanted to get it out there to share, uh, you know, with the general uh, public. But, but since that point, that that book is beat back cancer naturally. Yes. Yes. Uh, It's on, they can get on Amazon. Uh, It's an audible Kindle hardback paperback. Uh, They can also get on my website if they, if they go there, I give them a signed copy, but it's about the same price as what it is on uh, Amazon. But, awesome. but, but that's kind of my story, uh, how I've gotten where I am at this point. And now I dedicate my whole life to really helping cancer patients. I do, uh, I do virtual consultations. I've helped hundreds of patients that most of them are cancer patients, uh, and they really want some. Uh, cancer lifestyle coaching. So I do a virtual consult. It's either a one hour or two hour. I prefer a two hour because there's a lot to go over. And then I have a program where I do 24 seven availability to me through email and texting. And patients absolutely love that. I mean, every morning I'm getting bombed with text messages, you know, because people get their lab work, they're nervous. I had one woman, she sent me her LDH, you know, was a little low. She's, hey, is that, is that okay? My calcium's a little off. You know, so um, so I help them with that. If they read an article, scientific article, and they really don't understand it, they want me to analyze it. I do that for them. I give them emotional support. And then every two weeks, I have a list of all my patients that that are on that 24-7 uh, availability list. Every two weeks, I'll, I'll just send them out a text message. Hey, what's going on? How you doing? Things going okay? So patients really love that. And I I I I love the relationship that I've developed with them. And I, I will tell you, they teach me a lot of things because they're doing research too. 
And, uh, you know, they'll see an article and they'll send it to me. Uh, like, for instance, I take neem now. It's a it's a uh, yeah. it's kind of an exotic uh, kind of a, a plant mm-hmm. that one of my patients, he's very smart. He does a lot of research. He introduced me to that. I did all kind of research. And I go, you know what? This is this is definitely something I need to incorporate into my armamentarium. Sure. So now I, I do that. So a lot of my patients actually introduce me to uh, a lot of uh, herbal uh supplements that i wasn't even aware of yeah ne- neem's awesome too for as a anti-parasitic and oh yeah it, yeah. it affects a yeah. lot of those infections in the gut like parasites small intestinal bacteria overgrowth dysbiosis that can cause inflammation leaky gut all you know everything and it's um yeah neem's neem's incredible mother nature yeah, yeah. provides so much uh, oh, so, many, so many brilliant and beautiful medi- oh, medicines. Oh, it's I, I tell you what the more <laughs> the more you uh, the more you read about just the biochemistry that's going on in your body every second. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I just read an article. I mean, every second there's over a hundred trillion reactions going on in your body, and every cell there's about two thousand reactions going on every second. So it's it's really kind of mind blowing, and there's I don't know if you're familiar with the innate antioxidants, catalase, uh, glutathione uh, peroxidase, and superoxide dismutase. Mm-hmm. They're kind of our innate antioxidants in each one of our cells. But catalase uh, every second neutralizes over 40 million free radicals. That's every second. Mm-hmm. How fast all this is going on in our bodies? I mean, it's absolutely mind-blowing. And then you mentioned the microbiome. That's kind of the area that I have really been focusing a lot of my education on over the past month and two months. Um, That is another area that really is totally mind-blowing. The fact that we have 37 trillion, some people even think more than that, 39, 40 trillion bacteria in your gut that most likely control 70, 80% of your immune function. I mean, it is really really absolutely mind-blowing to me. In fact, I started a, um, I have a new lab that I introduced on my website. It's a uh, micro microbiome uh, stool testing through uh, doctor's data where they, you know, check the check for dysbiosis and uh, also microbiome diversity. Um, but, uh, but the microbiome, I don't know if you're familiar with a, uh, there was a study that came out in Lancet 2019. This was a large meta-analysis. They looked at uh, 185 uh, prospective studies. There were 58 clinical trials and uh, 135 million person years in this study. And and what they found that the largest consumers of fiber had a 30% reduction in premature mortality compared to the lowest fiber consumers. I mean, that's pretty dramatic. Very dramatic. yeah, and as you most likely know, I'm sure that fiber only comes from plant foods. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and there was another study that actually incrementalized it. They it was a 2014 study, and there were like 1.2 million participants. I think it was like 42 cohorts. And um, what they found was for every 10 grams of fiber, the reduction in cardiovascular uh, premature mortality went down by 17%. And just to kind of put 10 grams into perspective, if you eat a half cup of lentils, that's 10 grams of fiber. If you eat a half cup of navy beans, it's not that hard to get. The problem is most Americans 
aren't even getting close to 30 grams of fiber per day. I mean, I mean, there were, there was a, when I did my initial lecture, uh, that lecture I told you about that I did at that hotel, Yeah, uh, there was this one study that I came across. It was an N-H-A-N-E-S study, and they looked at the fiber uh, ingestion of Americans. And men, 30 to 50, 0% hit 30 grams. Women, it was it was 3%. I mean that that kind of blew my mind. And then there was another one. It men, was the men thirty to fifty zero percent hit thirty grams. Right. Sounds like a very constipated population. Well, we do. The average American <laughs> I I read gets about fifteen grams of fiber. I mean, it's I yeah. personally I I I like my breakfast in the morning. I eat still cut oats with. Uh, a tablespoon of uh, flaxseed, uh, ground flaxseed. I do uh, raspberries, strawberries, blackberries, blueberries, and a cup of soy milk. Um, just with that, I'm already up to 25 grams of fiber right there, and I'm at 30 grams of, of uh, plant protein. Like just just my breakfast, I haven't even done anything from that point. Um, so it's really not that hard. Get ahead of it. Yeah, and and I I would say. I, I, in fact, if your um, listeners uh, go to Instagram, I did a post yesterday. I know you interviewed Joe Marcola a few years ago. Uh, I guess it was Monster, Florida. Yeah, but I I follow his website and uh, I was reading it one day and he was talking about what he had for breakfast. And it was like a 12 ounce steak. Uh, There were six eggs and there were other like ghee butter and all these other saturated fats. So it, and then he was, then a month later, he was talking about iron. He was talking about he bloodlets every month to get rid of the excess iron. I assume that's coming from the, from the steak. Mm. Um, so I looked at that and I, you know what, I'm, I'm going to break that down nutritionally. Cause I think a lot of people that do keto and carnivore, and I don't have anything against that. I, I think you can do, I'm against carnivore, but I think you can do a plant predominant keto. I, I wanted to ask you about about carnivore because there's a lot of people doing it now, and it 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 very much runs counter to what you've been seeing for cancer prevention and cancer um, assisted nutritional therapies. Yeah, I I I think the carnivore. I think people that do that carnivore diet are really going to run into some major health problems. Um, I, I know I saw Paul Saladino interviewed uh, on Joe Rogan. He was bragging that his LDL was 535. Mm-hmm. You know, I, your LDL really should be under 80 uh, if you want to prevent cardiovascular disease. So like people that are eating like this, I mean, they're getting zero fiber. And when I analyzed what like Joe was eating in the morning, he was eating 1,300 calories. There was 1,550 milligrams of cholesterol. There was 30 grams of saturated fat. There were 1,690 milligrams of sodium. There was 130 grams of animal protein, which most studies show that once you get over in a meal, once you get over 30 grams, I mean, your body really doesn't utilize that very well. Like when you get 130, man, you're getting into like hyperfiltration of your kidney. There's a lot of problems. You get like an amazing acid load, which we can get into that, how you really need to alkalinize uh, yourself with cancer. And he's getting, then he's getting zero. A lot of of mTOR activation as well. Oh, oh, that's the other. You have latent cancer. it, It can fuel growth indiscriminately where it's not just muscle growth. It could be cancer growth. Right. And it's really the, uh, it's really the leucine uh, in animal protein and methionine uh, that really, leucine is the primary stimulator of mTOR. And 
one of the things I get into at the very beginning of my book, I get into what causes cancer. And, and most people don't realize this, but by the time you get diagnosed with cancer, I mean, you have thousands of mutations in that cancer cell. Um, Mikhail Munsky, he's a he's a famous MD researcher in myeloma. And, um, and he said, by the time you get diagnosed with what I have, there's, a, there's about 5,000 DNA mutations in that cancer cell. And by the time you relapse, there's about 12,000. So one of the things I always do, and one of my missions in my you know, cancer lifestyle coaching that I do, I really want to try to prevent as many DNA mutations as I can. And one of the best ways to do that is eating more plant foods. Plants have 63 times of the antioxidant power uh, compared to animal products. So mm -hmm. the more plant foods you eat, the more antioxidants, they're going to protect you from free radical damage, which create more DNA mutations. In fact, I take all my supplements, you know, my oncologist, I mean, his mind's kind of blowing. I tell this, but when I take my Revlovin at night, I take all my 30 herbs at the same time. I don't really have a problem with that. And I take probably about 15 milligrams sub Q of melatonin. Melatonin is one of the most powerful antioxidants in your body. I don't have a I don't have a problem doing that at all because I'm trying to protect myself from a lot of the DNA damage that that medication yeah. is going to be doing to me, you know, and, um, and I think that's we've, one of we've the had reasons a few people with cancer and, and utilized, um, well, a, we, we swap all the lights out in their bedroom and house for red lights to prevent the uh, blue light from suppressing natural melatonin. They got to be real conscientious about screens. And yeah, uh, yeah. a lot of times we'll utilize one milligram of melatonin per pound of body weight, um, at, at least to assist some of the, um, to, to reduce some of the uh, inflammation and, 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 you know, give their glymphatic system a boost to, to, to detoxify their brain and their cells. Oh, melatonin is uh, amazing. And it also helps your uh, innate antioxidants, like your superoxide dismutase and your mm -hmm. glutathione peroxidase. It actually enhances its uh, efficiency. And it is five times stronger, for instance, than vitamin C. I mean, it is definitely the most potent uh, hormone released, actually chemical released in your body. So, you know, we and were creating like any of your clients that you put on melatonin it seems like certain people have like a melatonin hangover or like get kind of depressed the next day. Do you experience, have you experienced that at all? Or has it not been something that you've seen working with people? My wife. Um, <laughs> and what do you do? She, well, what, what I do, I just, just lower the dose. No, or I just low, you know, like typically I do a three milligram dose. It's through nature's bounty. Uh, you can get it on uh, Amazon. It's, I think it's a high quality supplement. I always like to do it sublingually. Um, mm. But my my wife really, when she does uh, melatonin, even that three milligram, she feels like a little drowsy in the morning. So somebody like that, you would just not do that. I mean, there's other there's other ways that you can enhance sleep. I mean, there's a, quite a few different supplements. Um, you know, GABA, glycine uh, is is another one. Thiamine, uh, magnesium, relora. Yeah, magnesium three threonine. Uh, you can give apigenin. That's another one that helps. Mm -hmm. um, so, sleep is incredibly uh, important. And and you know, my five precepts in my book are essentially a whole food plant based diet or a plant strong diet. I think if somebody has cancer, I definitely think they should go whole food plant based. Somebody like you, you can eat meat. I don't think it should be the predominant 
food source, like it is with a keto diet, for example. Um, if you look at the blue zones, for example, you know, the five areas of the world where people live the longest, um, Icaria, Sardinia, Okinawa, Nicoya, Costa Rica, and Loma Linda, which is in California. I mean, they all those cultures eat about 90 to 95% plant-based. I'm not saying people need to do that, but women in Loma Linda, for example, uh, they're in America. It's the same culture. I mean, they live about 10 years longer than their American counterparts. Men live 14 years longer than their American counterparts. So so there's, there's something to uh, eating more of a plant-predominant diet. Like I said, you could have a plant-predominant keto. You could have a plant-predominant paleo. Uh, you know, there's ways to make your diet a little bit more plant-strong, you know, without totally going, you know, totally quote unquote vegan, which I hate that word because some vegans are the most unhealthiest people I know because they're eating chips, Oreos, frosted flakes, yeah, it's uh, not, it's not, Coke, and they and they think they're it's not plant-based. It's not high in those in those fruit and vegetable antioxidants that we discussed being so important. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I don't know if you've ever read uh uh, John McDougall, Dr. John McDougall, uh, he's he's written quite a few books. He has a book called The Starch Solution. I read it a few years back. And he has a chapter in there called The Fat Vegan. And the basically, fat, it's the like fat a, vegan. The, the fat vegan. It's basically yeah. the vegan that's eating all this crap food. And just because he's not eating animal products, he thinks he's healthy. And that's probably, honestly, I, I would rather see somebody eat a keto diet than eat that kind of diet. And and I, And I will tell you one thing. One one of the things that the carnivore, the keto, the paleo, the you know the 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 vegan, the vegetarian, whole food, plant based, one thing they all have in common, which I think is great, is they all try to get rid of the ultra processed food. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's one of the reasons when people do go paleo or they go keto, I think that's one of the reasons they're feeling a lot better is they're getting rid of a lot of this like really crap refined, ultra processed food uh, out of their diet. Mm -hmm. um, so. You know, that's kind of my overall uh, philosophy on all that carnivore yeah, keto arguments and so forth to go on. Well, I mean, I'm 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 with you, and I've even I, I've explored a variety of these nutrition templates. I separate myself from the religion of nutrition, um, right, and and any emotionality around what other people choose to eat. My um my take now is like. I allow room for animal, healthy animal-based proteins that are from animals that were raised on their natural diet, free of toxins, free of hormones, um, when my body is, is craving it. And I, you know, I spent two months, you know, when you and I talked originally and the internet wasn't cooperating the first time we went to record this interview, I was on a farm with a miniature donkey, a whole bunch of pigs, chickens, goats. And I was living that closely with animals. I was impressed at the, the level of consciousness that they have that is so similar to my little mini golden doodle Kumba, who, who I'm just, you know, he's, he's such a joy and, and, and a brilliant little dog, you know? Right. Right. And seeing this level of consciousness with these animals really had me rethinking how, like, Harnism and not from a, a place of of virtue signaling, but just how much I was unconsciously taking the lives of animals because I thought I needed protein at every meal or because I wanted to put on a couple pounds of muscle. 
You know, I, when I looked at like how many lives I was taking in a year and at what cost, you know, seeing these pigs running up to me, just like my dog, cause they're excited oh. to see me in the morning. Right. <laughs> That's wild. I, That's wild. I, I, took, I took my, uh, I took Kumba for a walk and I'm, I'm coming back to the cabin I was staying at and the, the mini donkeys kind of, we had one of these moments where we make eye contact with one another and I didn't say anything, but in my mind, I was just like, Hey donkey you know, kind of saying hello. Right, and right, the donkey right. starts going, hee-haw, 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 <laughs> which he wild. never does, which he never right, does. Right, 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 right. That's amazing. And so it, it had me thinking, I was like, okay, so now I'll integrate more raw milk, more eggs from free range organic chickens when I need that protein. And, and like you said, I'm doubling down on plant-based antioxidants from vegetables and fruits and all that. Can you give us a little bit of an idea? Um, what, like, so so whole food plant-based diet. A lot of people have heard that. Um, when you when your clients are like, okay, how do I do that? How does the rubber meet the road? What does a day of whole food plant-based diet look like for someone who wants to prevent cancer or maximize their chances of remission? First off, um, if somebody is eating kind of a keto diet and they want to go more whole food plant-based, first off, you you definitely have to go slow with it because your microbiome has to go through some major changes. Um, Great point. You know, one of the things, I don't know if you're familiar with that study in uh, 2014 in Nature, um, where they basically took two groups. They took one group, they put them on a carnivore diet. The other group, they put on a whole food plant-based diet, and they analyzed their microbiome before uh, before they started the uh, the experiment. And every day, they would analyze their microbiome. And even in a day, the plant-based group, the good Prevotella bacteria were increasing, the uh, bad uh, Bacteroides bacteria were decreasing. And then on the, the carnivore, the bad Bacteroides were increasing even at the first day and they were snuffing out the good Prevotella. So by the end of five days, um, there was a dramatic difference in the uh, microbiome already at that point. But you need to realize when you start going uh, more whole food plant-based, I usually recommend starting with breakfast. Um, you know, maybe do the what I do, you know, the steel cut oats with some uh, raspberries, strawberries, blackberries, blueberries, put some uh, soy milk in there with some flaxseed. Um, right there, as I said before, you're getting about 30 grams of protein just right off the bat and about 25 grams of fiber. But maybe do that like maybe twice the, the first week. And then maybe by the end of like three weeks, you're doing it every morning and then uh, learn recipes. What One thing I do when I do my consults, I send my patients a long letter and I, I put in there uh, all these different cookbooks that we use. Uh, there's probably about 10 different cookbooks. There's five different websites. Uh, the Blue Zones Kitchen is a great cookbook. Uh, Forks Over Knives has a great cookbook. There's Plant You. I mean, there's a ton of them. So learn different recipes and then maybe incorporate a lunch, you know, uh, here and there for the maybe the second month. And then by the third month, maybe start doing your suppers. And what happens is you start eating things that you really like. Hey, I really like that recipe. Why don't we do that? So really by three months, you really should be able to go whole food plant-based. Now me, I just went in full bore. Um, I didn't really have much of a problem uh, adjusting to that, but if you do it full bore, a lot of people are going to get 
you know, indigestion, they're going to get some bloating because the gut bacteria really aren't able, you really don't have enough of the good Prevotella bacteria. Yeah. They're able to really break down that fiber. So you're going to get indigestion problems. So you definitely have to go slow with it. And um, your body and, has to like switch gears and start making different quantities of enzymes. Oh, absolutely. Break everything down. Yeah. One thing that's interesting, I read this the other day, is that your body has uh, 17 digestive enzymes, but your gut microbiome has about 60,000 different enzymes, which can break down all different types of fiber. I mean, there's there's thousands of different types of fiber. So they have to have the ability to break down um, all these different fibers uh, you know, in your uh, a large colon. You know, there was an interesting study uh, you know, these bacteria, when they, uh, these good bacteria, when they start feeding on your uh, your fiber, they form these uh, short chain fatty acids. I'm sure you're familiar with them, uh, butyrate, propionate, acetate, and, and butyrate is one of the most powerful, but these are, these are some of the most anti-inflammatory chemicals I have ever come across in my, in my medical career. I mean, they're, they're just amazing, but there was a recent article that really made a lot of buzz in the myeloma community. You know, that's the cancer that I have. It, it was in um, clinical cancer research. That was the journal. And there's something called minimal residual disease. Uh, it's a test they do. They do a bone marrow test. They put it under this special microscope and they analyze how many myeloma cells you have per million. So if you have minimal residual disease, that means there's none in there. So what they found was they found that people that had higher butyrate levels in their stool actually were the ones that were able to maintain their MRD. So it's kind of interesting. There was a direct correlation showing that the healthier your microbiome, the greater chance that you're going to stay into a remission or a minimal, resi minimal residual disease state uh, with multiple myeloma. I thought that was like really a super fascinating study and it kind of uh, really gave me more fuel when I talk to patients to encourage them to eat more fiber. So in early 2022, almost out of nowhere, I started experiencing massive changes in my body and mental health. My hair was thinning and falling out faster than ever before. I was experiencing mood fluctuations, I was putting on body fat, losing strength and muscle mass. I was even having a harder time remembering certain people's names and things that I knew I knew. My face looked older and I had more wrinkles and there was a noticeable decrease in my sex drive. And then one of the guests that I had on our podcast introduced me to a product called BioPro Plus that naturally boosts your IGF-1 and human growth hormone levels. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and check out episode 265 on how to increase HGH, boost libido, and experience 68% better recovery with Dustin Baker. BioPro Plus contains a combination of powerful natural ingredients for boosting HGH, human growth hormone, and IGF-1, like elk antler, tribulus, and shilajit, all in their purest and most potent forms. What's interesting is elk antlers are the only mammalian appendage capable of continuous regeneration. These antlers grow an inch or more per day and have the fastest growth rate of any organ in the animal kingdom. 
I started taking one glass vial every morning and holding it under my tongue for 90 seconds before swallowing. And before I'd even finished my first kit, I was getting compliments on my skin and how I looked five to 10 years younger. You can even go back and look at some of my social media videos from earlier this year and you'll see how big of a difference there is. Since then, my energy has increased. I feel more motivated. My libido and sex drive came back. I've been losing fat. I'm stronger and recovering faster from my workouts and my hair is coming in thicker and it even stopped falling out. If my story resonates with you, I highly recommend you try BioPro Plus for yourself. When you feel it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. And for a limited time, you can save $30 on your order by going to bioproteintech.com and entering discount code biohacks. That's B-I-O-P-R-O-T-E-I-N-T-E-C-H.com and discount code B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S. Now, back to the show. I actually just was was interviewing. I was doing my third podcast with uh, Dr. John Lawrence, and we were talking about butyrate. And one of the one of the products that he has created on uh, his website, Mitozen, is uh, a, a butyrate suppository. Oh, um, interesting! Interesting for for and, and it comes with a variety of uh, probiotics and beneficial anti-inflammatory bacteria to recolonize. Um, the, the, the colon, the intestines, et cetera. Now, if, if someone listening is, I, I know butyrate is in like grass fed butter or, and, and ghee, right. But if, if someone listening is like, I want to really ramp up my butyrate levels and decrease inflammation, are there nutritional recommendations that you've seen work or like, what would your advice be? Are you supplementing with a, with a body bio butyrate product or you know, in, in the case of, of well, what I just mentioned with Dr. John, like those suppositories, you, or are you doing it nutri- nutritionally? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you ingest butyrate, it totally gets destroyed. So you can't trust me. These uh, pharmaceutical companies <laughs> have been trying to jump on butyrate. So, and I'm not a hundred percent sure what happens when you put it in a suppository, but I do know that you cannot take uh, any of these short chain fatty acids orally because they totally get destroyed by this stomach acid. So it, 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 it won't make it down there. Really the best way to increase your uh, short chain fatty acids is just to really up your, your fiber intake. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's in fact, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the American gut project. Um, Robert Knight, he's one of the premier microbiome uh, researchers. And what people do is they basically send in their stole, um, they do a microbiome analysis. They have this big questionnaire where they ask you, you know, what do you eat? What, how do you exercise? How do you sleep? All these different questions. And what they found was that uh, people that eat 30 different plant foods in the course of a week have a much greater diversity in their microbiome compared to people that only eat 10 different plants per week. Uh, my wife and I make a, a lot of, a, that's a lot. It really, of it, it's, it's pretty easy to do, to be quite frank with you. Like yeah. when you, when you have a, if you have a salad every day, yeah. Um, one of the things I recommend to all of my patients, uh, and I actually show them the salad that I, like if I go to Whole Foods, a salad bar, um, instead of putting just some greens, maybe some uh, tomatoes and some carrots in there, I tell them, listen, Put a couple broccoli, put a couple cauliflower, put a couple onions in there, put a little corn, put, you know, I I, I just try, try to tell them to put as many different vegetables in as, as you can in there. And in fact, I 
one day I was just kind of curious. I said, I wonder how many vegetables I have in this salad. And I actually counted. I had 25 different vegetables in that salad. Wow. So, so a salad in my head. (laughs) Yeah. So a salad is a good way. And like, just kind of give an example. I, I told you what I have in the morning. So I have my oats, I have my flax, I have my raspberries, my blueberries, my, you know, blackberries, strawberries, um, you know, right there, I'm already, you know, I'm up to like six. And then I have my uh, salad each day. I'm in probably up to like 20 there. And then a, a, a good way to get all of these in there in the Blue Zones uh, kitchen cookbook has some great soups. Like if you can make some of these soups with all these different vegetables and barley and uh, fennel and all, it's like some of these soups are amazing in that book and they come from the Blue Zone areas. But you know what? Every Sunday, just make a huge a container of, put it in the Instapot, make a huge thing of uh, like bean soup with all these different vegetables, put them in mason jars and just pull them out, heat them up. And you know, you can have that with a, you can have that with a salad and you're probably already up to that for the week. You're for the day, you're probably already up to 30. So it's really not that hard to do. Um, great, and that's part that's of, that's thought. part of the coaching uh, that I do. Um, you know, and it's, it, it's really kind of changing your whole lifestyle, getting all the ultra processed foods out of your, you know, pantry, when you go shopping, really trying to get good produce, try to get all your berries. Um, like every night before I go to bed, for example, and this freaks out like some people that have cancer because they think you shouldn't eat any sugar. Before I go to bed, I actually have watermelon and pineapple. Primarily I watermelon be- and pineapple. I had oh, two, well, they're, two nights ago. <laughs> oh, they're they're amazing. The and best. well, the thing is, in my book, I have an alkaline base chart. And this is based on uh, Dr. Brian Chafee's work. I mean, he he dedicated his whole PhD to this. So he took all these different types of foods. Then he would measure and see what kind of an effect it would have on the pH. So I have this. Uh, it's in fact, I have it. I have it printed out here. You know, at my condo right now. Um, and I I look at it frequently because I try to memorize it as much as I can. But on the left side are the most alkaline foods, and on the right side are the most acidic foods. And then it's kind of broke down. There's like four columns in each, like the lowest acidic more acidic and the most acidic, et cetera. Um, but one of the, th- like pineapple and watermelon are on the, they're the most alkaline. Um, other fruits kind of give you an idea that are the most alkaline, you know, tangerines are the most alkaline, raspberries, persimmon, uh, pumpkin seeds are the most alkaline. I, I always put those on my all of my salads. That gives you some protein, zinc, and iron at the same time. Um, so before I go to bed, I do that. And one of the things I have all my patients do, if you go on Am- if you go on Amazon, there's these urine pH strips. And what I do and what I recommended them to do first thing in the morning when you wake up, you pee on it and you want your urine pH to be between 6.5 and 7.5. So it should be pretty green. But when I wake up in the morning, I mean, mine's always around 7.5. I mean, it is like super green. But most people, when they start, they're about 5.5. Most people are extremely acidic because of their diets. Mm -hmm. You know, as you get older, you tend to get more chronic inflammation. Your kidneys don't work as well. Um, But the reason I I really try to alkalinize, and and remember, your pH is always going to stay between 7.35 and 7.45. I mean, your body's going to keep it in that range. But I like my patients leaning towards 7.45. And and the reason for that is, and there's many studies, and I have uh, two or three of them in my book, cancer does not do well in an alkaline 
uh, environment. It really struggles. It loves high acidity. It loves high inflammation and it loves low oxygen. So they're the three things that I try to get improved in the cancer microenvironment. So the way we make the, uh, the pH leaning more alkaline, we eat more foods on the alkaline side. Typically I tell people, you know, start off maybe 70% on the alkaline side, maybe 30% on the, on the acidic side. Uh, there are plant foods that are on the acidic side. For instance, beans are on there, corn, uh, carrots are on there. Um, so I, I just tell people to kind of like balance that, check your urine pH every morning and just gradually try to get it to the point when you wake up every morning, it's between 6.5 and 7.5. And those strips are cheap. I think they're like six bucks or something. Mm. Um, and then as is far that, as the- brand you use? I can't remember the brand. I, I I can send it to you. But if you just type in urine pH strips, it'll just yeah, pop yeah. up on Amazon. I've, I mean, got, I've got some that I use every every now and then. I don't remember the brand, though. I didn't know if you had like one. That yeah, I don't know. I can't remember the brand, but it's it's kind of the one that is the most prominent. It's just kind of, I think it's Amazon's choice almost every time when it, when it pops up. Cool. The way that I keep the oxygen content uh, high in the microenvironment is, is really simply exercise. I mean, you can go to hyperbaric oxygen chambers, you can do ozone. And, and I just had a patient I did a consult on. I mean, she's got metastatic ovarian. I She lives in St. Augustine. I actually referred her over to David Minkoff uh, to do some ozone therapy over there. So I-, at, at I Life I, works. And not yeah, life works. Right. Yeah. right. But, um, but I do think increasing the oxygen content in the micro microenvironment is important. But the easiest way to do that is by exercise. Mm -hmm. um, I have a couple studies in in my book where I show they were rodent studies where when they put these uh, rodents on uh, kind of moderate long term exercise, the oxygen content actually in, increased by ninety percent in the cancer microenvironment. So so exercise honestly is probably next to diet. I would say exercise is like so, so important for the prevention of cancer. And if you have cancer and you want to prevent a relapse, you really have to get in a habit of exercising every single day. It's, it's so critical. In fact, if you look at the studies just in prevention, people that do regular exercise have a anywhere from a 10 to 35% reduction in getting any kind of different types of cancers but especially uh some of the some of the studies on breast cancer are absolutely mind blowing there's one study that i have in my book where they took people that had cancer and they looked at women that just walked briskly for 30 minutes every day and they reduced their chance of a relapse by 24% Women that ran two thirds of a mile per day decreased it by 40%. And women that ran 2.3 miles per day, they reduced their chance of relapse by 95%. I mean, wow. it's almost it's almost unbelievable to be quite frank with you. Uh, 2.3 miles had a 2.3 miles per day. It, de it decreased yeah, the cancer relapse rate by 95%. And an exercise pace they were running at, or is it just, just jog? They just said jogging in, in the yeah. study. It was just a 2.3, you know, jog that they were doing. So, wow. so, the, so obviously the more kind of aggressive you do the, uh, the exercise, the greater benefit you're going to get. Mm -hmm. But, but, but exercise does so many things. It, it makes your innate antioxidants work more efficiently. It actually makes your tumor suppressor genes uh, suppress more. It 
has an anti-inflammatory effect. It actually increases your insulin resistance or your insulin sensitivity. It decreases your insulin resistance, which I will tell you is probably one of the most important things that you can do. I don't know if you've ever interviewed uh, Robbie and Cyrus from Mastering Diabetes, but if you haven't, you really need to interview those guys because uh, those guys are amazing. Uh, they uh, they have a book out called Mastering Diabetes, they have an Instagram site uh, by the same name. But but 38% of the population is actually you know, pre-diabetic. And, and, and the, the main reason that's happening, it's really from the high saturated fat diets that we're eating. The saturated fat you know, creates these, basically gets embedded into the into the muscle and the liver as, as uh, fatty acids. Uh, they then get kind of uh, like changed into ceramins and DAGs, and they kind of muck up the GLUT4 insulin receptors. So the insulin, it just can't work. It just can't really attach onto the receptor and get the insulin, get the glucose into the cell. There's two problems with that. First off, it jacks up your glucose levels, which, as many people probably know, um, cancer really needs a ton of glucose just to be able to survive. It it, it basically metabolizes through an anaerobic uh, metabolic system where. It only creates two ATP molecules for every sugar molecule, where normally we we produce 36 ATP molecules. So number one, you're giving that uh, cancer all this extra fuel. But even more importantly than that, when that insulin can't get into, it can't attach to the receptor, you, you get high insulin levels in your blood. And insulin is the most powerful anti, anabolic a chemical in your body. Um, I know there's will it, inject insulin. Oh, insulin is, you know, do you know the average bodybuilder? You know what their lifespan is? 47 years, professional bodybuilders. Yeah. That's their average lifespan, 47 years. Mm -hmm. So they're, I mean, these guys are creating all kinds of issues, but they insulin, look really good from like 18 to 38 though. What the, uh, I'm just, I'm messing around. Oh, yeah, okay. It's, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's, um, yeah, there's, there, there's a lot there where, it, it certainly seems like it decreases lifespan. And then there's also outliers with like Schwarzenegger and Ric Flair and these guys that are in their seventies and seem like they're still crushing. But generally speaking, bodybuilders are not known for longevity. No, no, absolutely. But, you know, back to insulin, uh, I mean, it is a major stimulator of cancer growth. It's probably the most powerful, uh, even more powerful than IGF-1 and mTOR. Um, in fact, when they do uh, experiments with cancer cells growing in a Petri dish, the way they get them to grow faster is they just basically put insulin on them and they start they start going out of control. Um, one other thing about cell cultures that, that's also interesting, um, and, it, and it really relates to saturated fat in the, uh, the uh, insulin uh, diabetes uh, type 2, uh, is that if you want to induce type two diabetes in rodents, what you do is you put them on a very high saturated fat diet for six weeks and they're all of a sudden they're into their type two diabetic. Um, so it's really the saturated fat that really accumulates into the muscle and the liver. It kind of mucks up the GLUT4 receptors. The insulin really can't work. Glucose levels go up, the insulin levels go up and then you have type two diabetes. You suspect so, that that would happen with like grass-fed steak and free-range organic eggs from from you know chickens that were on their natural diet 
that sort of thing? Or well, do you think there's more? I, 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 I tell people if you're going to eat meat, you should eat grass fed because mm -hmm. they're first off, you know, we find that the saturated fat levels are much lower. They have higher omega three levels. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, one of the things most people don't realize though, when you eat meat of any kind, um, I know I you know previously said you get it, it doesn't have any hormones, but remember every animal has its own hormone. So when you, mm -hmm. when you eat a steak, you're definitely ingesting growth hormone, you're ingesting testosterone, you're ingesting estradiol, because all living beings have their own hormones. So you're going to be getting their innate hormones. The other thing is when you cook meat, you get all these carcinogenic chemicals being created, heterocycling uh, amines, polyaromatic hydrocarbons, you get these advanced end, end, you know, end products, nitrosamines. Um, one interesting thing, I, I read this for your meat eaters, uh, it's a way to really decrease that. If you marinate your meat before you grill it or cook it, it actually decreases those uh, heterocycling means and nitrosamines by like sometimes 90 percent for mm -hmm. some studies, 50 percent, 60 percent. So if you're going to grill, you know, put your meat under high uh, temperatures, uh, try to marinate it with a bunch of different herbs, because mm -hmm. that definitely decreases the amount of these uh, these carcinogenic uh, chemicals that really can create some havoc uh, with with your body. Um, so that's, you know, that's, like I said, I don't have a problem with people eating meat, but I do agree with you. I think if you're going to do it, you should eat grass fed, the saturated fat levels are lower. Uh, you know, they're, they're typically not giving them uh, antibiotics, but I, I will tell you, they all have bacteria. And there were, there were two studies done in 2013. One was consumer reports. One was the FDA and they went into like a grocery stores and they wanted to measure the bacterial contamination of the meat products and anywhere from 50 to 90% of them had some kind of bacterial contamination. And the ones that were farm raised are the ones that had the antibiotic resistant bacteria, which are the worst kind to get. But, but, um, but you gotta be aware of all that. And even when you cook meat, people need to be aware of you'll kill the bacteria, but there's endotoxins that are in that uh, meat that get released uh, into the bloodstream and they create inflammation for about six hours. Um, and if you're eating meat every meal, like I used to do, um, basically you eat breakfast. Let's say you have some you know, bacon or whatever. Uh, you get these endotoxins released and you have lunch and you have another piece of like chicken and your salad or whatever. Then you're going to get another six hours. So it's it's like you constantly have this inflammatory response going on when you're doing that. So so once again, you know, I don't have a problem people eating meat. The blue zone areas, a lot of the meat, they'll eat meat like four or five times a week, but it's about the size of a deck of cards. It's not the predominant part of their diet. Um, and once again, if you can just try to make it a little bit more plant predominant, I think patients and people are going to be much healthier. I like that. And now I'm curious. So we've talked about things that are correlated with cancer from low oxygen levels, acidity in the body. Um, I'm sure you've reflected on this. I, at least I would, you know, if, if, if I was diagnosed with cancer, I'd be thinking, how did I get this? What caused this? You know, what do I think caused this? And, and, you know, having, um, kind of combed through the research, we see things. We're living in a world now where there's a lot of invisible toxins. We've got oh, yeah, water yeah. that's that's heavily fluoridated. We've got 
injections that contain mercury in the form of, of, of thimerosal and aluminum. We've got pesticides and glyphosate and plastics and radiation everywhere. You know, people, oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. One, no one wants to live by high voltage power lines, but everyone's okay having Wi-Fi blasting through their home and spending right. 12 hours a day on their phone very similar biological effects here, even though we're talking about magnetic versus RF and, you know, our, our bones are conductive. They take that radiation and it, it affects every cell. Um, and then, as you mentioned, the hormones in, in our meat and, and there's a whole bunch more, right? Right. What, what do you think causes cancer? As I told you before, I think it's the accumulation of DNA damage. Um, every day you get about 19,200 hits to your DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, and your job, your body's job is to repair that. Uh, we have about 100 plus DNA repair genes and they get mutated too. That's, that's another whole problem. You know, for instance, the BRCA gene is a DNA repair gene. So when that gets mutated, you're going to be prone to getting uh, uh, breast cancer. So I, I really think the main thing is to really keep your uh, your free radical activity down. So I, I, I think the diet that you eat, I think the toxins that you're exposed to, and we are exposed to a multitude. I, I, I've read studies, I don't know, like 50,000 different chemicals that we're exposed to, like in the course of a lifetime. But one of the things I, I absolutely tell my patients to do, and it's part of my consultation, I tell them all to get a reverse osmosis uh, water filter. Um because it is amazing what is in the water. Uh, my mother, as I was talking to you before we started this podcast, she was diagnosed with uh, leukemia when she was 54. And she ended up dying when she was 57. But we were trying to do everything we could to help her live longer. And um, so we had a filter, water filter company come in and he put two electrodes in the water and one third of the water precipitated out, literally. And it it honestly, it totally blew my mind. Uh, I then called the water authority. I asked them if they'd give me a list of all the chemicals that was in the water. And they they kind of put me off. I did it again. They didn't get back to me. Then by the third time I go, hey, listen, you know, I really want this. You you have to give me this. Legally, you, you really have to give me this information. And you would not believe what is in the water. I mean, it is absolutely mind-blowing there's pesticides there's pharmaceuticals there's hormones Mm -hmm. there's birth control i mean it it is really pretty mind-blowing uh what is in our tap water so that's one thing i tell everyone and if preferably if you can get a whole house water filter um i i think that's important even when you're showering uh a lot of those uh, remineralize i i you know when you're eating a uh, whole food plant-based diet you're really getting a, a lot of minerals. Um, uh, I I do uh, in my in my practice. I do uh, mineral testing. I do this very extensive uh, lab work through Quest. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I do is I check uh, all the vitamins. I check all the minerals, heavy metals. Uh, I check their IGF one, their hemoglobin A one C, C reactive protein, omega six to omega three ratio. I go through all these things, but I I will tell you most people are low in certain minerals. Mm-hmm. I, I would say almost every single patient that I check is low in molybdenum. It's either undetectable or it's yeah. super low. I mean, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are low in chromium. They're low in uh, uh, 
uh, cobalt, mm-hmm. uh, low in iodine. I, I mean, it it really kind of blows my mind when I see that. So when I see it, what I do is I, I look for the foods that are higher in those uh, elements. And then I usually recommend a supplement at that point. Um, and, uh, you know, so it, it, the, the the mineral content is good. I've had my minerals checked and they're all good. I do an iodine supplement uh, when I first started going whole food plant-based, my iodine was a little on the low side. So I, I use nascent iodine. Mm-hmm. I put five drops of that in my drinking water every use, day. Uh, detoxidine? Um, you mean the brand? Yeah. I forget the brand that I use. I, I can find it, nah, but I, 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 I can share. There's, if you go on, uh, and all the supplements that I do recommend, uh, you know, I don't sell any supplements, uh, which I think gives me a little bit more credibility with my me, patients. Me but but I, I go on, I tell them to go on, and what I always do, I go on consumerlab.com. I don't know if you've ever been on that website, but I, I would strongly recommend that you get on there, especially if you're recommending supplements. What they do is they they kind of analyze all the different supplements. Uh, and like, I, to give you an example, I used to use a uh, Carapelli uh, olive oil. I thought it was a good quality olive oil. Mm-hmm. I went on there. I looked, you know, I went on olive oil and I found that Carapelli, 25% of it's rancid. <laughs> so, um, so their top pick was Lucini. So I, I use Lucini now. You can get it at Whole Foods, you know, Trader Joe's, just about everywhere. Um, like soy milk, I use the silk brand. I mean, I mean, that definitely was their top pick when I really start looking at the ingredients, silk, uh, soy milk. Each cup has about eight grams of protein and two grams of fiber. All the other ones, it's like seven uh, grams of uh, protein and only one gram of fiber. So consumerlab.com is a really good place to go uh, when you're looking to see if the supplement you're taking is a high quality supplement, because some of these supplements have like in that olive oil uh, and analysis, some of them didn't have any olive oil in them at all. I mean, it, it was it was really kind of mind blowing, to be quite yeah. frank with you, when I read when I read through some of these uh, analyses that they do uh, on some of these uh, supplements and some of these foods uh, that people eat. Now, we've talked about pH with the pH strips, and and I want to be respectful of your time, too. And I'm sure our, our listeners probably feel like they've been drinking water through a fire hose, getting all this. All, all these gold nuggets from from you in this conversation. So hopefully you guys are enjoying it. We we really appreciate everything that all the wisdom that you've been sharing. I think it's it, it's um, very helpful. And this is like the next level of 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 health and human performance, in my opinion. Um, hey, by the way, that that brand for the I have it right in front of me. It's uh, it's uh, microessentiallab.com. That's the brand of that hydrogen strip that you can get on Amazon. Micro essential lab for the, for the pH, uh, for the pH, for the, for the pH strips. Right. Perfect. That perfect segue. So I was going to ask, there's, um, there are a lot of people that are big advocates of bicarb formulas, sodium bicarbonate, baking soda, that's aluminum free and, and mixing that with water and drinking it or doing baths with sodium bicarbonate to, to alkalize the body and, and make it more, more alkaline. Is that anything that you do? Or are you like, no, get it through nutrition? Here's well, one one of the things that I do every morning, and, and it, it's probably one of the most important things that I do, and I didn't mention it, but I should, probably should have been the first thing I mentioned. Every morning when I wake up, I do a uh, I do a coffee drink, and I put twelve different freeze dried powders in there. You know, your your show is called Biohacking Secrets. This is probably one of the greatest biohacks anybody could do. Um, 
I do uh, blackberry, blueberry, raspberry, strawberry, goji berry, acai berry. There's a ten mushroom uh, uh, powder that I that I utilize. Cacao is kind of like the the larger. That's about a tablespoon. I try to give it a hot chocolate taste. Um, but I put all of those in my uh, light roast organic coffee every morning. So I get a 24 ounce. It's an LO cup. You can get those on Amazon. I use a cure to get that. I put all of the powders in there, but I put baking. You talked about, you know, bicarbonate. I put baking powder. Mm -hmm. I put about an eighth of a teaspoon of baking powder into the coffee because coffee is acidic. So baking when you do that, not baking that, soda powder, I use powder, B baking, okay. baking powder doesn't have, I get, I get it's by Hanes. Uh, it doesn't have any sodium in it. So it's basically a potassium based uh, baking powder. So I, I like if you use uh, baking soda, there's a lot of sodium in there. Mm -hmm. So I put about an eighth of a teaspoon in there. I put about 20 shakes of uh, Ceylon cinnamon. I put two uh, shakes of clove uh, in there. And then I basically add about a cup of soy milk that takes it all the way up to the top. I put it in the microwave. And then as I'm doing my computer work in the morning, I just kind of sip that. And you do have to kind of stir it a little bit. Uh, it is a little bit thick. When I get about halfway, I add another cup of soy milk. But the reason I do that is when you eat one gram of freeze-dried powder, it's, for instance, let's take blueberries. If you if you take in one gram of freeze-dried blueberry powder, it's like eating 50 grams of blueberries. Uh, so you get this incredible phytonutrient punch. Uh, plant foods have over 100,000 phytonutrients, and they work in amazing ways to fight cancer. In fact, in the last part of my chapter on plant foods, I get into all the things that plant phytochemicals have been shown to do. They, you know, they DNA, the, the, they, they fragment the cancer DNA. They cause cancer cell apoptosis. They disrupt uh, cancer cell signaling between uh, the cancer cells. Uh, they inhibit angiogenesis. There's a whole, there's about 14 different things that I have listed in there. So, and the other thing is I have two lectures on my website uh, on synergy. I mean, it is amazing how these these phytochemicals synergize. Like two plus two doesn't equal four, it equals seven. So when I do all these different freeze-dried powders, I'm not only getting this phytonutrient punch and I'm doing it in a fasted state. At this point, I do intermittent fasting. I usually fast for 16 hours. So I'm kind of in the middle of my fast while I'm doing that. I don't know if you've ever interviewed Walter Longo, but he's done a lot of studies show that when you get chemo, if you, if you kind of a calorie restrict 24 hours before the day of the chemo and 24 hours after mm -hmm. the chemo works better and you get a lot less side effects. So the way I'm kind of thinking Walter is Walter Longo is prolon, right? Yeah, right. Yep. Exactly. You should try to get him on your podcast. I think you'd really uh like enjoy him. He's a really, really super smart guy. Yeah. But well. uh but there was a uh an amazing study and there's several like this uh this one was in uh, cancer prevention research. It was done in Asia. Uh, they took men with early esophageal cancer. Mm -hmm. And for your listeners that don't know, esophageal cancer is the second most deadly cancer next to pancreatic cancer. Mm -hmm. So these men had early esophageal cancer. So they put them on a quarter cup of freeze-dried strawberry powder every day for six months. They didn't change their diet. They didn't do anything else. That's all they did. 
And then they did before they started, they did end, endoscopy and they took photographs of the cancers before they started the six month treatment. 80.6% of the cancers got smaller, 50% totally were obliterated. Um, that's freeze dried strawberry powder. Yeah, freeze dried strawberry powder. And there's stuff, stuff organic. Or does it? Oh yeah. You know, oh yeah. Go yeah. go on Amazon. Type in. Uh, you know, I get them all on Amazon. There's two companies I use. One's called Micro Ingredients. The other one's called Z Naturals. Um, but uh, but I put just about every different type of fruit powder I can put in there. Um, I, recently, I added grape. I, I just found that on. Uh, I think it's Salk Farms makes it because I couldn't find one for years. Uh, but I wanted to get resveratrol really in a more kind of a food form rather than just taking a supplement. I, I think it's better to take things in a food form if you can, because you get that phytonutrient synergy uh, mm -hmm. when you take it through a food form. And that's why I typically just do herbs. I rarely ever do uh, individual vitamins. I, I just, I, I think they can actually cause more harm than they can cause good. So everything I do is more of a, of an herbal type supplement. Right. Going back but, to that. But, but I do that. I, I I do that every morning and um and I've calculated how much protein I get with that and how much fiber I get with that. I get when I finish the the those two drinks I'm up to 27 grams of protein and I'm up to 12 grams of fiber already. And then I do my my still cut oats after that. Now I'm up to like a total of like 57 grams of protein. I'm, I haven't even like started my day and I'm already wow. up to like, I'm already up to like 42 grams of fiber <laughs> and the day hasn't really even started. So it's, once again, it's really not hard to get to your adequate protein levels. I always get over hundred grams of protein every day. I've, I've checked, I probably get 1.2 grams uh, per kilogram every day. I, you wow. know, I, but it's, but it's plant protein. I don't get yeah. any animal protein. So I'm not getting the leucine, the isoleucine, the valine, which are branched amino acids, which are the ones that really can create some of the kidney problems and also cause some of the mTOR activation. Fascinating. Now with pancreatic cancer, there's, I mean, I, so with, um, there's some correlation between high fruit diets and pancreatic cancer and all of that. And I'm, I'm looking at the data and I'm, I'm curious if you've made any sense of it because there are some people with cancer that start to fear fruit and they're, they're afraid that the sugar either in juicing or just eating the whole fruit could fuel cancer growth. Well, I don't recommend juicing. And, and I'll tell you why, because the phytonutrients are actually attached to the fiber. So when you juice, you're getting rid of the fiber, you know, so like I, I recommend smoothies rather than doing juicing because the fiber is still there. Fiber is extremely important. And once again, you're really getting rid of some of the phytonutrients when you are juicing. Plus, you can get these spikes when you do carrot, carrots are loaded with sugar. So when you do that, you can get a, like a, an insulin spike when you do that. But it's interesting. Um, and I have this in my book before I get my I get blood work on every month. And before I go for my blood work, I'll do one of my smoothies. It's like, you know, raspberries and there's all kind of different berries. I throw some kale in there, uh, do some soy milk and so forth. And you would think that would jack up my blood sugar. When I go in there, it's always like, I'm not even doing a fasting blood sugar. It's usually 80, 85. I mean, it's really like very, very low. 
And I think it's because I'm I'm intaking a lot of fiber that gives you a slow release of the glucose into the bloodstream. So you really never get a spike. The other thing is I do, there's four supplements that I really try to get all my cancer patients to do. One is and probably one of the best supplements anybody can do. Turmeric is number one. It's it's by far the one that everybody should take. And cancer patients should take about eight grams a day. I do four grams in the morning, four grams at night. I do uh, three uh, fish oils before I take my turmeric in, in the morning and in the evening because turmeric does need fat to be absorbed. But also I really jack up my omega-3 levels. In fact, my omega-6 uh, to omega-3 levels, 1.9 to one, I've, I've checked it through my Quest, uh, my Quest Labs, but um, but you really have to um, keep your blood sugar down. So I put people on Amla. I don't know if you're familiar with that. That's Indian gooseberry. Mm -hmm. That is the most potent antioxidant food on the face of the earth. It also amazingly controls your blood sugars and your cholesterol. So I have people do that. I have them do berberine, which really has a, a like a, a fantastic effect on. Uh, blood pressure control and has its own set of anti-cancer uh, effects. I have them do Gemnema Silvestre, which uh, controls blood sugars extremely well, and then cinnamon. So you can get that in a supplement. I basically put cinnamon on it on everything. I put it. I put it in that you know coffee drink. I put it on my oat steel cut oats in the morning. So I put a lot of cinnamon on a lot of different things. So that helps with uh, with blood pressure control. But anytime I check my blood sugar, it's always really low. And I, I could eat, a, I could eat my steel cut oats with all that and go and get my blood work and my blood sugar is like, you know, 85, 90, it's never wow. even, even over a hundred. So, um, uh, you know, if you ever, in, if you ever interview, um, Robbie and Cyrus from mastering diabetes, yeah, I'll, those I'll guys, them on. those guys are interesting because, uh, you know, they both have PhDs are like super smart, but they both have type one diabetes. What? So these guys, these guys were able to, uh, you know, for instance, uh, uh, Cyrus, he got diagnosed, I think he was like 22 at Stanford, and he came down with uh, type 1 diabetes. Robbie was a lot younger when he had it. But but they were able to see what they were eating, the, the amount of carbohydrate, and how much insulin they were injecting. So these guys eat 20 pieces of fruit every day. They eat 700 grams of carbohydrate, complex carbohydrate every day. You said 700 and grams? They eat 700 grams of carbohydrate. Wow. Complex, not refined, complex carbohydrates every day. But when those guys started, they were injecting 42 units of insulin. And they were eating about 125 grams of carb. As they gradually cut down their animal products, their saturated fat, and they start upping their complex carbohydrates. It went from like 42, then it went to 35, then it went to 30. Now those guys inject about 25 units of uh, insulin every day. And they eat, like Cyrus, eat seven bananas every day. They eat wow. two mangoes, they eat a papaya. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy, but it's all flips, about- flips a lot of the mainstream nutrition information it, on its head. It's it's all about insulin sensitivity. Mm -hmm. So when when these, I had a patient, for instance, that was like hell bent on doing a, he loved meat. He was a German. Mm -hmm. And he just, he said, it, he and he was following, I don't know if you're familiar with Jason Fung, you know, he's really into like the, the keto way of controlling blood sugar. He's the a problem guy, is, isn't he? 
Yeah. And he's into the keto, you know, eating like a lot of meat products and so forth. But what people don't realize and what happened to this guy is that when you're eating a very low carb diet, you are eating a lot of saturated fat. And as I told you before, that accumulates into the muscle and the liver, uh, creates ceramins and DAGs that kind of muck up the GLUT4 insulin receptors. So you basically come, so you're, you're essentially insulin resistant, but you don't know it because you're sticking on this low carb diet. So this guy, he was like, oh, this is great. My blood sugars are great. I'm doing great. All of a sudden he started eating carbs. His blood sugars went totally out of control because at this point he was insulin resistant because he was eating all of these high fat foods. And that's what really Cyrus and Robbie get into in their book. And the, the science is pretty clear on this. Um, uh, like I said, those guys have thousands of patients that helped. Uh, and most of their patients are eating like six, 700 grams of carbs. I, I probably eat that much in a day. I, I, I would think I probably eat six to 700 complex carbs, uh, grams of complex carbs per day. Uh, and like I said, my blood sugar, when I go get it checked, it's always 80, 85. It's always perfectly normal because I'm very insulin sensitive. So um, so that does flip a lot of the science. But once again, if you're eating keto, as long as you're eating keto, your blood sugars will be just fine. But as soon as you go toward a more normal diet and you're eating more carbohydrates, your blood sugars typically are going to go totally out of whack because you really don't have uh, the proper insulin sensitivity. Yeah, I mean, th th this is just fascinating and really ex expands what we you know, what we hear from everyone. I mean, we've been on this kind of like, quote unquote, low carb craze for a few years now. And you look and, and, and a lot of these people have their fasting glucose is even on a low carb diet or a ketogenic diet, sometimes it's close to a hundred and, right, and right. they don't even look at carbs. So there's, yeah, there's a lot yeah. more to the, to the picture. Yeah, so kind yeah. of rapid fire as we, as we bring this okay. home, I mean, I'm, I'm okay. really enjoying this conversation. I think, you know, if, if our listeners enjoy this, reach out to, uh, to us and let us know if you want us to do a part two in the future, cause I'm sure we could, we could go for days. Um, but rapid fire, I want to ask you about some different, some different interventions for cancer. And if you have any thoughts, yes, okay. no, um, do you use any senolytics? I know you you do fasting. You know you mentioned the sixteen eight. You fast for sixteen hours. You eat in an eight hour window. But do you do anything with like quercetin or dacetinab or any of the other senolytics? Yeah, um, I I do quercetin. I quercetin. I, I take that with bromelain uh, every day. Nice. Okay. And then, what are your thoughts on like a, a an ivermectin? You know, there's a lot of evidence around ivermectin with with cancer and as an antiparasitic. Um, any thoughts there? Well, everywhere I go, I carry ivermectin. Um, uh. Yeah. And the reason I do is um, I know there's a lot of controversy about COVID and so forth, but uh, there's a multitude of studies that show that ivermectin definitely has uh, an anti-COVID effect. Um, mm -hmm. So if I even get a sniffle, I, I, pop, a, I pop an ivermectin. I, I don't take it every day, but it has shown anti-cancer activity. Um, just kind of give an example. I have a cancer of my immune system. Um, I haven't even gotten a cold in five and a half years, mm. um, let alone COVID. My wife had COVID. 
Mm -hmm. Um, I was around her. I was kissing her. I was hugging her. All all three of my kids had COVID. I was around them. I never got COVID. I like all the the things that, well, I I didn't know they had it at the time they had it, but, um, but just kind of show you all the, all the things that I incorporate into my lifestyle definitely have an immune boosting effect. And it's really helping me in my, in my battle against cancer, but ivermectin has been shown to have uh, anti-cancer effects, but I do not take it every day, but everywhere I go, I carry it. Uh, if I even, like I said, if I even get a sniffle, I pop an ivermectin. And how many milligrams? And I do. Um, typically what the recommendation is for prevention, it's 0. 0. 0.03 milligrams per kilogram. Um, uh, so when I, when I do, uh, I, I work with a compound pharmacist in uh, outside of Pittsburgh, and they'll actually make me, um, it's actually, I'm sorry, it's three milligrams per, per kilogram, uh, point, point, uh, point, I think it's 0.3 milligrams per kilogram. But I work with a, a compound pharmacist outside of Pittsburgh, and they actually compound it because they they come in three milligram tablets. I don't know if you've ever seen them before, but when you, if somebody's taking, for instance, prevention, uh, you know, I'm telling them to take 21 milligrams uh, every day for five days. They kind of get freaked out because it's like seven, it's seven pills. But if I have a compound pharmacist make a 20 milligram capsule, it's just one capsule that they're popping. So, but if you have the, um, if you have the active disease, it's point, uh, I think it's point oh, I think it's point oh six milligrams per kilogram. If you have the active disease, it's 0.03 milligrams per kilogram if you are using it prevention. So if I feel a little sniffle, I just do the, I usually just pop a 20 milligram uh, capsule and, you know, typically the next day, whatever I had, it's gone. So, um, so just remember also that COVID is a coronavirus. So colds are, most of them are coronaviruses. So I do think it has a positive effect on that too. So I might've just been starting to come down with a cold and I just pop it and the next day it's gone. So I, 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 I'm a big believer in ivermectin. Love it. Um, coffee. Yeah, like your, like your podcast is probably going to get banned now from uh, the fact that I said that. So oh, we've, <laughs> trust me, we've been, we've been going hard in the paint for years here. <laughs> there, all the algorithms are used to us by now. And unfortunately we've got an awesome listener base that, that okay. shares the podcast with other people. So we, keep okay. going. but, uh, awesome. yeah, yeah. Um, coffee enemas for detoxing the liver. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I, I listened to one of your podcasts uh, with Dr. Vic on uh, the Gerson uh, therapy, and um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big believer in uh, coffee enemas. I, I really, I, I think they can actually cause a lot of problems. They cause some issues with the microbiome. Um, I know that they proclaim, and I've never seen any studies that increases the, you know, your glutathione transferase by 700% in the liver. Uh, there was actually a good study in hepatology in 2014. It, it showed if you, if you just drink two to four cups of coffee, mm-hmm. you can pretty much get the same effect as sticking it up your butt. Oh, uh, my wife, I told you before we started, she was diagnosed with uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma when she was 28 years old. And we went to a, an alternative guy, you know, she went to a a traditional conventional oncologist. And then we went, there's a guy named Nicholas Gonzalez. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Yeah. He, he was a widely known uh, alternative guy. He's dead now. Yeah. But we he, went up um, there. He helped Suzanne yeah. Summers and, and his wife and some people believe he, he, there was some controversy around his cause of death. 
Yeah, I, I know that. And um, so he recommended there were like over 100 supplements that he recommended, but he did recommend the coffee enemas. Uh, my wife did it once and she'll never do it again. I, I know Dr. Vic, he said that you don't get jittery from like putting coffee up your you know, butt, but you do get jittery. Trust me. Some people um, do for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but the thing that was very disconcerting about when I went to Nicholas Gonzalez is that he told my wife. If you do any conventional therapy, I refuse to follow you. And I like I think that is really, really bad science. Uh, then when we would go to the oncologist, I remember her going to a radiation oncologist. He would make fun of us because we were doing like more of a macrobiotic diet. We were doing these supplements and he would come in with the Twinkies and he'd kind of make fun of us. And the thing that I learned is, you know what? You have to do everything. You have to do a little bit of conventional. You have to do uh, nutritional. You have to get your stress under control. You have to exercise. You have to make sure you get sleep. You need to do everything when you're battling something as formidable as cancer. But these, it just seems like these camps were just fighting each other rather than just working together integratively. Mm -hmm. So that was something that I learned through that. But um, but in that study, that hepatology study in 2014, I mean, they found that when you just drink two to four cups of coffee, it actually, uh, you know, induces autophagy, uh, you know, in the, in, in the liver, it creates, it kind of jacks up some of the enzymes in there. So I think if you just drink coffee, you can get the same effects. But one of the things about the Gerson therapy that I, I kind of did some reading on, it's just, I, I like the fact that they really kind of push the plant foods organic, but there's so many foods they tell you to avoid. Mm -hmm. Like we talked about pineapples. You're not allowed to eat pineapples. You're not allowed to eat berries. You're not allowed to eat mushrooms are one of the most powerful anti-cancer foods you can eat. You're not allowed to eat mushrooms. Um, so there's all these restrictions they put you on. And then the other thing, as I talked to you before, I'm not a big fan of like juicing. You know, they do, I don't know how many juices they do. It's like every, it's, like, it's 13 a day. It's like every hour. Yeah, I, every, like, every, I, every I'm really hour. not a big fan of that. And I know they tell people that, hey, this alone is going to cure your cancer. And there have been studies. I've done some research like for pancreatic cancer, uh, using the Gerson therapy, using conventional chemotherapy. The Gerson therapy, they they lasted about four months. And with conventional uh, therapy for pancreatic cancer, it lasted 14 months. So, you know, I like I tell people, listen, if you think trillions of cancer cells are going to totally be defeated with just food, you are in another world. I mean, you really got to do a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I do recommend, like this one woman that has this metastatic ovarian, she's been trying to do things. Like she went down to Brudinsky. She was doing this neoplastin mm. and her cancer actually progressed. Now she has it in her liver and her lung. And she was, she said, well, should I do chemo? I said, damn right, you should do chemo right now and do everything else that I'm telling you. But I told her, I said, Brzezinski, uh, he used chemotherapeutic agents, right? He just used smaller amounts. If, if he uses something called neoplastin. It's something that he developed. And okay. like I know one uh, gentleman, David Emerson, he has a website that he actually got cured of myeloma on this neoplastin. But she did it for 17 months and it, it, it really just got worse. So a lot of these uh. a lot of these alternative treatments, you know, some of them work. Uh, here and there sometimes people go into like you know just a remission but what i what i told her i i said you know what ask him instead of doing a large dose every month see if he can do it metronomically which means give smaller doses every week 
instead of giving a large dose once a month, because I've done a lot of reading on metronomic uh, approach to chemotherapy. And a lot of times they have a lot less side effects and you don't give the cancer a chance to develop angiogenesis. These cancers need to develop more blood vessels to be able to spread. Mm -hmm. So when you do one month and then you wait a whole month, that yeah. cancer really has a chance to develop more, uh, more, more blood vessels, develop angiogenesis. So, like I usually tell them to do that, uh, you know, hey, why don't you just because she was nervous about uh, she had the chemo actually before she had a lot of side effects. I said, why don't you just see if you can do it metronomically? The other thing I, th I think I mentioned this to you before, if you calorie restrict 24 hours before mm -hmm. calorie restrict the day of the chemo and then the day after uh, Walter Longo's studies that were initially done on rodents showed that the chemo worked better. Now he has a bunch of clinical trials going on humans and he's finding the same thing. Mm -hmm. It seems to work fast. Uh, it seems to work better. And, and if you think about it, when you're fasting, those cancer cells need a lot of sugar. They need a lot of cholesterol, glutamine. Yeah. When you're in a fasting state, those cancer cells are struggling a little bit. Mm -hmm. So when you start the chemo in that state, I think that's the reason that it that it, it, it most likely enhances uh, the final result of the chemotherapy uh, to do that uh, little bit of caloric uh, restriction. And, and one of the other things that I didn't mention is now, intermittent are you doing, fast. Are you saying caloric restriction, like restricting calories or just straight up like, fast? Well, you can do either way, but uh, but he was doing like 500 to 1,000 calories, like Okay. 24 hours before, you know, the day of, and then the day after, but you could literally do a fast. I'd if, be fasting. You, yeah. 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 I, if I were getting like a monthly dose, I would definitely be fasting 24 hours before mm -hmm. the day of, and then the day after. Um, one of the things I, I did want to mention to you, I do, um, I eat my last food at eight. I don't eat until 12 noon. Um, mm -hmm. And the reason I do that, I have the, I have, it was one of the first studies that was done on uh, time restricted eating is they took people that had breast cancer and they broke them into two different groups. One group fasted 13 hours or less. The other group fasted 13 hours or more. And what they found is the, the group that fasted more than 13 hours had a 36% reduction in cancer relapse rates. So mm. I, I do think there's a lot to um, giving your body a chance to repair, uh, you know, all that DNA damage. I was talking about that before, you know, mm. cleaning up a lot of the misfolded proteins. Also, you know, letting your immune system go into high gear to clean up a lot of these cancer cells. So, um, so similar, I, I do think similar results with uh, neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's when, when fasting for 12 or 13 plus hours. A lot of regeneration yeah. takes place. Yeah, I, I would think I'm not familiar with those studies, but I'm I'm sure that would have a very positive effect on that. Yeah, very cool. Um, last couple ones, and then and I mean I'm I'm really enjoying this conversation. I, I oh I, I could go on for hours. I I love talking about this stuff. Yeah, this is great. like this is great. it's super fascinating. And I feel uh, like in many ways, what we have here is a bit of a masterclass for people that that are are struggling with cancer. And then of course we're gonna we're gonna give you the opportunity to welcome folks to who want to check out your website and coaching program and as as we kind of land the plane but um i i think you know but let, let's keep having fun for just a couple more rapid fire ones you mentioned berberine and the role that it plays in blood sugar regulation and insulin sensitivity do you have any thoughts on metformin i think berberine works as well as metformin um mm -hmm. i i tried metformin one time 
Mm-hmm. I got, I had the worst diarrhea I've, I've ever had in my life. In fact, I took it a day. My wife and I were on a, we were supposed to fly and I was in the airport and I, th- this is embarrassing for me to even Aggressive say this, but, day to try it. <laughs> oh, I, I want to tell you something. I took a metformin and I actually, the diarrhea was so bad. I actually went into, in, into my pants oh, nice. and I, I, I ran to the bathroom. I had to take my underwear off. I had to throw it in the garbage can. And then I had to go into one of these stores and buy a new pair of sweatpants. I mean, I will never do metformin again. I mean, it was like a nightmare. And if you really look through the research, I think berberine works as well as metformin. So I just put them on berberine instead of metformin. Yeah. And and have you looked at any of the research around certain mushrooms, particularly like AHCC or beta 1,3-D, the beta glucans, um, and using those for, for cancer and immune modulation? Yeah, that coffee drink that I do, I put a teaspoon of, uh, it's called Mega Mushroom. It's made by micro ingredients. I put that in my coffee drink. Has 10 different mushrooms. Has reishi, cordyceps, shaga, has just about every uh, one in there. Uh, also, uh, before, I, in, in, before I go to bed at night, I take another, it's a capsule. Uh, it's Mycoceuticals uh, by Douglas Labs. I take that. That has a, That's a ton, 10 mushroom uh, supplement. Uh, the beta glucans definitely, the beta one three glucans definitely are uh, immune supporting. Uh, they also, if you look at through some of the research, I have some of my book. If you're, for instance, getting radiation, it, it tends to make you more radiation sensitive, so it, it works a little better even with chemo. So, um, so I I love mushrooms. My wife and I also use a lot of nutritional yeast. Mm. Uh, one of the things that we do a little tip for your audience um, as far as snacking. Um, a little, you know, I used to like those, uh, Cape Cod, low fat potato chips, and that was probably one of the worst things I could ever do. Cause I liked them, but that's an ultra processed food. But we started, I saw a, a, an Instagram, uh, post and it was on popcorn. So we get organic popcorn kernels. Cause I love popcorn. You put it in a, you take a quarter cup, you put it in a little paper bag. You throw it in the microwave for about a minute and a half to two minutes. You kind of listen to the pops. You pop it out and you have like perfect popcorn. So it comes out. We spray a little bit of extra virgin olive oil on, then put some nutritional yeast has kind of like a cheesy taste. I don't know if you've ever had it before. Oh, I love it. But it's loaded with everything. uh, it's it's loaded with beta glucans and it has a lot of vitamin B12. If you're eating whole food plant-based, you want to get as much as that. But we like when we're watching TV, we do that. Another thing that I munch on, I'm Italian. You must Me be too. Italian too, half, Clementi. Half, half Italian, half Greek. Have you ever had lupini beans before? Oh yeah, the Romans used to eat those, the Roman gladiators. Yeah. Well, when I was a kid, my dad ate lupini beans all the time. So I came across an article where they looked at nine different beans and the way they affected metalloproteinases. So a cancer needs metalloproteinases to be able to metastasize. Like one of them is collagenase. So collagenase kind of breaks down the tissue's surrounding the cancer so it can actually spread. So they they looked at nine different beans and the effect on metalloproteinases. Lupini beans were by far the most potent inhibitor of metalloproteinases. So I, I keep lupini beans in my refrigerator all the time. And when I get, like I just did it this morning, I was like a little bit hungry, just pop some lupini beans, you know? So, um, so that's like, they're like the little tricks you find when you do feel like snacking, you just make sure you're not eating all these Doritos and muffins and cookies and, and things like that. Just make sure you have good, healthy food that you can kind of grab and munch on. That's going to give you some fiber, uh, 
and make you a healthy person instead of a, a sick person. Do you have a, a brand of lupini beans that you like? You know what? I go to um, the right now I'm in Miami Beach. So I just go to Publix and I I just go to the section where they have the beans. I it, And when I'm in Pittsburgh, I think it's Delalo's I use. Um there's an Italian, if, I don't know if you have any Italian stores where you are, but if you go into, into an Italian store, they they always have a ton of lupini beans there. Hmm. But uh, but I just get them there. The one thing with lupini beans, though, um, they, you know, they're in brine, so they're very salty. So first thing I do is I, I basically soak them in water and I just leave it soak overnight. And then as I'm using it, I, I'll grab them. I'll put more water in there just so that it gets a lot of that sodium out of there. But but it's a great thing that cancer patients should do. It's a great thing to snack on because it does have a very potent effect against these metalloproteinases, which really kind of enhance the metastatic uh, process with cancer. That's cool. I like that as a healthy snack. Um, whole body hyperthermia. I went to St. George Clinic in Germany. And they have uh, helped over 25,000 people with cancer using much lower, usually one-tenth of the chemotherapeutic dosages. And they've done that by heating the, 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 the people's uh, body temperatures up to around 107 degrees. And, um, and, 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 and these are individuals that are extremely compromised, sometimes in wheelchairs. Um, and their results often meet or exceed what's done with 10x uh the 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 chemotherapeutic dosages have you looked into extreme whole body hyperthermia do you have any thoughts around that i just recommended it to two patients this week nice (laughs) the the lady that had uh has ovarian uh, metastatic cancer um uh cleveland clinic actually does it if you go on the uh national cancer institute website i mean they Mm -hmm. they actually have it on there as a as a treatment, as a viable treatment. So mm-hmm. that's about as, as conventional as you can get. So um, I also recommended somebody that had a stage three pancreatic cancer. So when you start getting at that point, you really need to pull out all the stops. And in mm-hmm. my reading is, I mean, they actually get the temperature up to 116 degrees Fahrenheit. So 116. It, yeah. And you actually have to, I was reading the, the Cleveland clinic site and, uh, and you actually have to sedate these people when you, like when yeah. you do that and there's different ways of doing it. Like you can even heat the chemo, uh, you know, as they're injecting it into your, into your bloodstream and that kind of kills two birds with one stone. You're getting the chemo plus you're heating up the, the patient, but, but high temperatures definitely destroy cancer. You know, for instance, you know, if you have a, if you have a skin cancer, you can basically cauterize it with heat and it destroys it. So yeah. we do know that, that high heat does, uh, destroy cancer. So I, I do believe in uh, hyperthermia, like in the last two weeks, you know, I've referred people for ozone therapy. I've referred them to hyperthermia treatments. So I, I really try to help them. I divert them to different clinics that I know that do some of these, you know, alternative treatments that should complement their chemo. It shouldn't, mm-hmm. it shouldn't take the place of it. And like you said, with the hyperthermia, that's amazing that they can decrease the chemo dose by, um, you know, by really 90%. That's pretty fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I went there for, for Lyme disease and they heated me up to 107 degrees for two hours. They, you know, they put you out and, um, and, and yeah, but there was a ton of people there that were doing it for cancer. And I found that really fascinating. And it seems like, what was it like being in there? 
I mean, you just, uh, when you woke well, up, were you all sweaty or like... the, fir- the first time I felt like I got hit by a small car and I drank about <laughs> 30 bottles of water. It was like, oh, wow. it was, it was like crazy. the thirstiest I've ever been in my life. The second wow. time your body is, is, is much more resilient. And, and I could, you know, I kind of walked off the second one. Um, but there's a lot of things taking place, you know, when, when you go into that type of heat. Right. Um, but yeah, it was, it was intense. The first one. I mean, you're calfed up and you're in bed for about 24 hours afterwards. Oh man, that's Just crazy. Kind of recovery yeah, yeah. and rehydrating. So yeah, where, tell- where, 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 where is that? St. George? I'll have to look this into was, that. This was Clinic St. George in Clinic Bad, Bad Eibling, Germany. We've actually got a podcast. Uh, I don't know the episode number off the top of my head, but it's with Dr. Friedrich Dows. Okay, um, I'll have to look runs, that one up. Who runs the clinic over there. And I did that okay. interview while I was there. Um, I mean, do you think it's worth it for people that have cancer for them to be using the sauna um, for for hyperthermia and detoxification? Or do you say, you know what, just put your put your money and efforts into the the really, really hot stuff where they put you under and and get the higher higher? I think infrared, infrared uh, sauna has uh, has a lot of benefits. Uh, I actually have one of those portable ones in my uh, house. Mm-hmm. So I'll get in there for like about 20 minutes. I'm, I'm one of these people. I can't sit still for too long. So mm-hmm. um, I have the one, you know, your head kind of pops up. It's it's not the near infrared. It's the far infrared. But 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 one thing about any kind of heat um I know on your podcast, you talk about detoxing a lot and so forth. And you basically have three phases of detox. You have your phase one liver enzymes, your phase two, uh, which basically turn the polar molecules into water-soluble molecules. And then basically you have your phase three, which is sweating your feces and your urine. Mm -hmm. So just going in there and sweating alone is getting rid, rid of a lot of the all of, a lot of those toxic chemicals that you were you know, talking about before, but the infrared itself has some effects on, uh, I've been doing some reading on the mitochondria. Mm-hmm. Um, it affects, it's like called uh, cytochrome C complex four. It's a really kind mm-hmm. of a complicated chemical biochemical reaction that's involved in energy production. So I do think it, it improves the, you know, the mitochondrial uh, health. Um, but I, I I definitely think there's advantages. And I, I actually do. I have this little gadget. Um, it does three things. It does infrared. So I, I run that on my face every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little gadget. It's pretty cool. And then it also has uh, radio frequency. So I run that like on my neck. You know, I'm 70 years old. So I try to keep all my muscles like, oh, you wow. know, pretty, pretty you toned don't, up. Don't look 70. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. And then uh, and then there's a blue light, which is good for acne and things like that, which I don't really need that one. But uh, but infrared has a lot of uh, you know positive health benefits. So I think getting into a sauna is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, I do it um, once again, I go about 20 minutes and that's about all I can take because I just can't sit still that long. I'm one of these people who always like to move around. So, hundred percent, hundred percent. Now, NAD and NMN have gotten a lot of attention recently in in the biohacking and longevity communities, and there's some mixed research mm-hmm. around them for if someone has cancer, um, that they could potentially be problematic. Do you, do you have any thoughts on on NAD and NMN, especially for someone with cancer? You know, I think anytime you're taking something something that is kind of more of a uh, kind of a growth stimulator or like enhances the Krebs cycle, whatever, I think sometimes 
it can be detrimental, like uh, calcium alpha ketoglutarate, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, that, I mean, that possibly could have a negative effect. Because remember, that cancer cell is using you know some of those same molecules, so you're kind of feeding it to it. But but I I, I personally do take uh, niacinamide. I don't take NMM or uh, uh, you know the rib the riboside. But I I do take that, and one of the reasons I do take it is uh, you know vitamin B three. It does keep your cholesterol levels down. I do try to keep all of my cancer patients' cholesterols their LDL around 80, because what most people don't realize, 20% of cancer patients do not die of cancer. They die of a cardiovascular event. They die of a heart attack or a stroke. So I, I, oh yeah, I mean, it's, you know, what you have to realize is before they even get diagnosed, I would say most people have some kind of a comorbidity. And I would say the vast majority of people in the United States already have pretty advanced atherosclerosis. I mean, they've done studies on 10 to 14 year olds that have been killed in you know, automobile accidents. 50% of them already have atherosclerosis. And you've probably heard some of the studies on Vietnam, you know, uh, soldiers that were killed and Korean soldiers. I mean, it, it, like once the, the Korean, like 70% of the soldiers already had atherosclerosis. So, when these people are going into their cancer treatment, they already probably already have some kind of uh, atherosclerosis. So I really try to get all of my patients to keep their, their LDLs down. In fact, uh, there's quite a few studies that show that high cholesterol levels are definitely correlated with cancer. You know, cancer does use cholesterol as a, a nutritional source, especially breast, uh, prostate, and colon cancer uh, uses sugar, uses uh, cholesterol, and uses glutamine. So I, I really try to keep my my just kind of give you an example. My LDL sixty four and my total cholesterol is one twenty four, and that's just doing a whole food plant based diet. When I started, my total was like one ninety eight, and my LDL was like one twenty eight, something like that. So I've been able to get that down just strictly doing a whole food plant based diet. So it is whole food plant based diet and niacinamide. Anything else? Not, and niacinamide really, helps. Really effective for lowering LDL and cholesterol? Um, there's a supplement called cholestine. And um, cholestine is Chinese red yeast. Uh, once again, if you go on consumerlab.com, uh, they'll that that was their top pick. And that was that was the only one. I think there were one or two that actually had low lovastatin in there. I don't know if you know the history of some of these. Chinese red yeast supplements, but Merck came out with the first statin. It was called Lovastatin, Mevacor. And there was actually a major lawsuit. There was a company that came out, um, uh, that came out with a supplement. It was called Cholestin, and it had Lovastatin in it, which is normally found in Chinese red yeast. So Merck sued Cholestin. It got into this big lawsuit, Cholestin won. But when you do cholestine, I read that you get if you do two um, if you do two capsules in the morning and you do two at night, it's equivalent of getting seven milligrams of lovastatin uh, in the morning and seven at night. So that's fourteen milligrams. Typically, when they start you on Mevacor, they start you on about twenty milligrams of Mevacor. So you're you're kind of getting a statin. But the nice thing about that is you're getting all these multiple hundreds of different phytonutrients that are accompanying it. So I, I like I that's what I recommend to people when they're when they're struggling. Uh, there's also one uh, if you do uh, plant sterols have been found to bring down cholesterol. Um, there's one I think it's called Cholest Food. It's uh, one of the top picks on consumer 
uh, lab, that's another one that I recommend for people that are trying to get their cholesterol down without getting into uh, using a statin. But now, I don't know if you've ever heard of these uh, PCSK9 inhibitors. It's an injection. In fact, I did a video on it in my uh, on my uh, Instagram site. Um, it, it basically upregulates the LDL receptors, so they can actually metabolize more of the LDL and get it out of the bloodstream. They can actually get the LDL down to six with these uh, PCSK9 inhibitors. It's like an injection you do every couple of weeks. So I did a whole thing on that. I did, it was like a one minute video I put together. It was mainly for a friend of mine who eats like crap and he's taking his PCSK9 inhibitors. He had a dissecting aneurysm about two years ago. Um, but I, the point I made is that if you get your uh, LDL down to 30, and that's typically what they are able to do with these PCSK9 inhibitors, um, most likely you are not going to get a cardiovascular event, but if you're eating like crap and you're doing the PCSK9 inhibitor, I mean, you're going to, you're still going to be prone to, you know, type two diabetes, cancer, you know, obesity, all the other dementia, all the other issues that you can get when you're eating a crappy diet. So awesome. This is fine. In, fa in fact, when I, when I said that YouTube took it down because I think I used the word obesity. So, um, which is kind of crazy, but it, I, it, it was like a one minute video and all I, basically said was what i just told you so yeah yeah kind of yeah, crazy yeah. the way uh google works so <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure um last two your thoughts on pork derived thyroid glandulars if someone has suboptimal thyroid uh markers or uh symptomology of low thyroid function and cancer well they do have uh T3 and T4. In fact, when I had my anti-aging center, I used to uh, basically prescribe that for people. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's a little harder to control, um, but I, I, that's what I used. It was, a, I think it was a pig source that I used. Um, and I, that's what I would give to people. But it, it basically had T4, T3. It was the same molecule as if you're getting Synthroid. But um, yeah, but I, I don't have a problem with doing that. I, I, you know, I think if you, I think the first thing you need to do is just make sure your iodine levels are, are where they need to be. Because a lot of times people are iodine deficient. There's a lot of people that have iodine deficiencies. And just make sure you get that squared away first. If you normalize that and they still have hypothyroidism, then, you know, you may need to do something like a, uh, uh, you know, a, a, like a pig supplement. I think it's called armor. That's what it was called. It's called armor thyroid. Yeah. Uh, I got that. Most compounding pharmacies have them too. Uh, right. There's a lot of people like if you, if you were to go to drugs.com now and look up reviews on armor thyroid, there's a ton of people that have used it for decades. And it, this past 10, 15 years, a lot of them are like, this isn't the same stuff. It doesn't work as well. It doesn't smell the same. Um, so a lot of people that used to take armor or NP thyroid, they've sort of transitioned to compounding pharmacies because they find that it seems like it's what's what armor was. Um, anyway, just that's what I always did. I had a compound pharmacy that I worked with. Yeah, that's, mean, what, that, I, that's, that's what, what I always did. Yeah, yeah, right. I do that with clients. Right. Last, last one. Um, and thank you so much for being super generous with your wisdom. Oh, no, and, I'm and hey, your I, energy hey, and your time. Like I said, I could talk about this stuff for hours. I, I, you know, I, I love this stuff. I mean, it's, me too, it's, me too. And guys, it's if, a lot if, of if you're if you're loving this episode and finding it helpful, like that, share it with people. That's the best way that you could help support this podcast. And and you know, of course, if you want to 
um, if, if, if you want to work with Dr. Dominic Brandy or whatever, just show your appreciation, support stuff that you like and, and give it to other people that might be able to benefit. Um, last one, B17, Latrill, like apricot seeds and, and some of the capsules of B17 for, for fighting cancer. I knew you were going to ask me that question. Did you? Uh, you I, 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 I knew you were going to ask me that. I, I take three apricot uh, kernels every day. Um, I take it with some raisins because they are kind of bitter. But um, but the way, you know, there's a lot of controversy about this, but there's cyanide in a lot, like apple seeds have like cyanide in it. But what you need to realize yeah. is there's a cyanide like in an cookbook for cancer. Yeah. Like if you realize, well, like in an apricot seed, uh, you know, in that B17, I mean, you basically have uh, it's uh, hydrogen cyanide. I think it's benzaldehyde. And there's an enzyme that's in your cells is called beta glucosidase and that breaks the it and they're they're attached to a glucose molecule so they're kind of bound together so when you eat it it's bound together then the the beta uh, glucosidase it breaks that into hydrogen cyanide and then your benzaldehyde uh, ben, benzenaldehyde um now, in your normal cells, and this is the understanding that I have, you have uh, an enzyme called rhodinase. And rhodinase will actually convert the cyanide into thiocyanate, and it'll convert the uh, benzene aldehyde into salicylate. Cancer cells do not have rhodinase. So they basically, the cyanide and the you know benzaldehyde, it basically just it's let loose and it destroys the cancer cell because it doesn't have rhodinase. So that's kind of the theory of it. I take, like I said, I take three apricot kernels uh, every day. You know, I tell my patients, if you want to do it, do it. I think it helps. I don't, I don't think it hurts. Mm -hmm. um, but there is a lot of controversy. You're probably familiar with the Hunza's, you know, they, <laughs> they, they eat apricot seeds every day mm -hmm. uh, and they already have any cancer in that community. So I, I really don't think, it hurts, but it's like anything. I mean, if you if you eat too many apricot seeds, you're going to get sick. I mean, you know, it's like with anything that you do. If you eat too much sugar, you eat even too much cinnamon, you could probably get sick. So, um, so I, I think it's all about drinking dosage. too much water. Yeah, exactly. You can Especially get hypoglycemia or not. Oh, for sure, for sure. Well, Doctor Dominic Brandy, this has been awesome. Uh, I've had a blast, and um, yeah, I mean, tell tell our listeners. I mean, we've, you've got natural insights into cancer.com, right? Tell our so, listeners what, what, you know, if they've enjoyed this and they, and they want to check out more of your stuff, where should they do that? So basically you go to my website, natural insights into cancer. It's I N S I G H T S into cancer.com. Uh, and when you go on there, I have tons of videos. I have tons of blogs that I've done, uh, uh, over the years, and I also have, that's where you could, if you want to do a one or two hour consultation, there's like a little shopping area where you just kind of check the box. If you want to do 24 seven access to me through uh, text and email, I charge you know $20 a month to do that. Um, I used to not charge for that, but I, I found that patients felt like they were bothering me. And I, I talked to my web designer. He said, he, he said, you know, you should probably charge for that. And I, I told him $20 a month. He goes, you're crazy. You need to charge more than that. But this I, I is charge, really a, I charge my friends more than that if they want to text me. Every <laughs> but um, but this is really a passion project for me, uh, you know, at this stage of my life. I'm just trying to help as many people as I can. And then I do um, I do uh, 
lab testing uh, through Quest. I, I mentioned that to you before, but I also do uh, uh, stole uh, analysis through doctors' data. You know, patients, uh, they sign up. I chat with them for a little bit. I get all their information. Uh, doctors' data sends them like this little kit. They send it back there. I get the results and then we chat again and then I give them like my input as to what they should do. And then I also do through uh, Great Plains Laboratory, they do that GLP talks where they check 173 uh, different toxins. That's a urine test. Um, it's done the same way. I mean, they can check that off on a box. Uh, it then I I chat with them. I tell them what you know what I'm going to be doing. The Great Plains will send the kit to them. They they urinate in it. They send it back. I get the results, and then I call them, and then I discuss it with them. So, uh, so I do all that on the uh, on the website. So you know, if people do want to have a consultation, I do go in depth. And I do think the 24-7 access is really incredible. My patients absolutely love it. I mean, this morning, I already got probably 20 texts from patients. You know, they're, 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 one of their lab values is a little out of whack. You know, hey, what do you think of this? And they read a study. Hey, what do you think of this study? Sometimes they just want some support, emotional support. So I, I always am there for them to kind of take them through the journey. So that's kind of my... In the last years of my life, that's really my goal is to just try to help as many cancer patients because I know it's a horrible thing to go through and it's it is a head trip. And you, if you have somebody by your side uh, that has a medical degree like me and knows a lot about what they could do to help keep themselves in a remission, it really it means a lot to a lot of my patients. That's beautiful. So naturalinsightsintocancer.com. You've got your book, Beat Back Cancer Naturally, that they can get on Amazon or your website. and then. Um, I got to ask, I was, I was ready to say, Hey, thanks guys for listening. But now you sparked a little bit of curiosity. <laughs> are, are you up for 30 seconds of rapid fire? Uh, Go ahead. Three more. All right. So last three things, um, your iodine testing, what yeah. do you believe is an accurate reflection of iodine levels? Is that, is that the quest test that you mentioned? Yeah, the quest. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a good a good test. Okay. Now, if somebody wants to get, you know, if you want to do heavy metal analysis and so forth through your hair, you can do that. I can do that through Great Plains uh, does that. Mm -hmm. I can even do that through doctor's data. So I there's a, a lot of different other studies I can do based on our conversation. But I, I do think that Quest, um, the, the thing I like about Quest is when I do that, I almost always am able to get that covered on their insurance because I, I basically put a, a diagnosis code uh, on there. I basically send them a lab sheet. They scan it. They take it to Quest. Quest draws the blood. They send me the results in about two weeks. Then I get in contact with the patient. I write a big letter, You know all the different things I think they need to do. I chat with them. And then I usually recommend to repeat that in about six months just to see if we got everything uh, you know, going in the right direction. But, uh, but as I said, a lot of the minerals are the thing that are like really totally out of whack on a lot of patients. Sure. Um, if we ever do this again, there's one study that I'll, that I'll want to go over with you. Uh, it was in the uh, journal of the International uh, Society of Sports Nutrition, but it'll, it'll blow your mind. They, you know, uh, we'll talk about it maybe we'll, some other time. I'm we'll just, do it again, guys. If you want, yeah, us, for if sure. you want us to do it again, let both let both of us know. Um, this was also fascinating just because it might spark spark your interest if if it's not already in your awareness. But Dr. Frank Schallenberger pointed out to me he's seen cases of 90 to 95% plus arterial blockages that he's been able to resolve with chelation therapy. 
And he believes that a lot of the arterial plaque is an adaptive protective mechanism for people that are high in toxic heavy metals, where they take those metals and, and they actually get them out of the blood and bind them to the inside of the, you know, the arteries um, and the cardiovascular system. And then when you start chelating, he's seen almost complete clearance of, of, of those blockages. So it's just a, 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 a knowing the, oh, I, I, I used to do chelation therapy and I, I actually uh, passed the board exam of the American College of Advancement for Medicine, also the board exam for the uh, A4M. So, you know, awesome. I, I'm open. I'm open that, to everything. Does that check out with you? For Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I think in certain patients, it definitely can be uh, advantageous for sure. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. And then the um, patterns you've seen, you've, you've done a, a ton of these toxicity tests. Do you see patterns with cancer patients? We're like, are, are they are they often high in the same toxins? Well, a lot of them are high in uh, glyphosate, which is a As is I a suspected. major is a major problem. Man, I mean, I, I I don't know why that stuff isn't banned because it definitely is a problem. I have uh, some conspiratorially it, minded theories. What's your theory on that? No, no, I won't. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that I, I think a lot of the demonization that uh, is around gluten is actually glyphosate. You know, when oh, yeah. people start avoiding grains, it's because they're avoiding the herbicide glyphosate that that their gut and their health improves and all of that. Um, oh, I, I, I agree with that one. Last one. And the only one that we haven't really touched on is if, if someone's listening to this, that that recently had a cancer diagnosis. The mindset is so important, right? And, right. And, and, and not only like getting out of a victim mindset, but also realizing that ultimately each of us are in charge of our destiny, right? right. We don't, right. this isn't something that we outsource and necessarily turn over. What would you tell someone from a mindset perspective that that you have found to be critical to their success and healing and ultimately remission in, in, with cancer? Well, one of the things that I did initially, and, and one of the things I always tell people is when you get diagnosed with cancer, I mean, your, your world is totally rocked. And you could think, if I got diagnosed today, oh, I could handle it. But trust me, it is something you just can't even imagine. So all of a sudden, Death is right in the front of you. I think, you know, we all know we're going to die, but when it's when it's kind of smack right in your face, I mean, you really got to get a lot of things in your head squared away. You got to get your spiritual priorities together. You know, what do I really believe? Um, you know, your family, your relationships. I mean, there were some relationships when I got diagnosed that I I had some broken relationships and I I called them. I said, hey, you know, I want to apologize for how I you know dealt with you in this kind of a situation. So, and then, you know, your financial and so forth. So, um, so one of the things I did, and I do think it's important is that I saw a psychologist that was recommended by another myeloma patient and she thought it would be very important. So I did go to a psychologist three times and I would recommend any cancer patient to make sure you do that. And there were two things that really helped me. The first thing was she was a, a psychologist that uh, specialized in cancer patients. And she told me that 95% of the patients that know they're going to be dead in three months are not depressed. They've kind of accepted it. They've handled it. 
and that really that really helped me. Um, and but she said five percent go down kicking. So I don't know. Maybe I'll be at five percent. I don't know. But uh, but that made me feel good. The other thing is, I think everyone that when you get diagnosed with cancer, I mean, you worry about the future. You know, what am I going to have to go through? Am I going to lose my hair? Am I going to have a lot of pain? Am I going to be nauseated? Am I going to be vomiting? You know, you're worried about all these different things. And um, and she really helped me through through that. And the pain was something that I was worried about at some point, you know, when you get near the end. And she said, hey, listen, when you get near the end, you know, if you're having a lot of pain, they're going to like sedate you more, you know, get rid of the pain. If you have less, you know, it'll be a little bit, you know, the, the pain medication will be not as severe. Um so all that really helped me. But one of the things I do tell all my cancer patients is take one day at a time. You know, wake up in the morning, try to eat the healthiest you can You can eat. Uh, exercise, make sure you exercise every day. That is probably the most important thing. You know, the five precepts in my book are the diet, the supplements, exercise, stress reduction, and sleep. When you're exercising every day, automatically the stress goes down and you sleep better. So, um, so wake up every day and do that. And the other thing I tell them is do something fun every single day. I do something fun every day. I just make it a point to do something fun every day. And I think that's important. And as you were you know, asking me, I, I do think it's important that you realize that you are fighting a formidable disease and there are things that you can do, but you have to be disciplined. Uh, I've had patients that I've I've done a whole consult with, and and I remember one woman. She had ovarian cancer. She was in remission. She goes, "You mean I have to give up my wine and my cheese?" <laughs> and I said, "You know what? Do whatever you want to do. I'm not going to be following you around, but I'm just going to kind of show you the science. And it's up to you. There are a lot of things you can do, and I'm going to show you all the different steps you can take to at least put yourself in a very good position that you can live a very long life. You can live a happy life with a lot of energy." high quality of life, uh, but you do have to really take a lot of self-initiative. And that's really, you know, what it's all about. So, so that's kind of, you know, my answer for you. Great advice. Dr. Dominic Brandy, thank you so much. Hey, it's this been is, a blast. Been I've enjoyed it. Yeah, this has been a blast. I've, I've enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun. So thank you. Guys, go to naturalinsightsintocancer.com. Uh, grab uh, Dr. Brandy's book, and um, let each of us know if you want us to do a part two. I think, uh, I think that'd be a beautiful thing. Thanks, Anthony. It was great. So in early 2022, almost out of nowhere, I started experiencing massive changes in my body and mental health. My hair was thinning and falling out faster than ever before. I was experiencing mood fluctuations, I was putting on body fat, losing strength and muscle mass. I was even having a harder time remembering certain people's names and things that I knew I knew. My face looked older and I had more wrinkles and there was a noticeable decrease in my sex drive. And then one of the guests that I had on our podcast introduced me to a product called BioPro Plus that naturally boosts your IGF-1 and human growth hormone levels. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and check out episode 265 on how to increase HGH, boost libido, and experience 68% better recovery with Dustin Baker. BioPro Plus contains a combination of powerful natural ingredients for boosting HGH, human growth hormone, and IGF-1, like elk antler, tribulus, and shilajit, all in their purest and most potent forms. What's interesting is elk antlers are the only mammalian appendage capable of continuous regeneration. These antlers grow an inch or more per day and have the fastest growth rate of any organ in the animal kingdom. 
I started taking one glass vial every morning and holding it under my tongue for 90 seconds before swallowing. And before I'd even finished my first kit, I was getting compliments on my skin and how I looked five to 10 years younger. You can even go back and look at some of my social media videos from earlier this year and you'll see how big of a difference there is. Since then, my energy has increased. I feel more motivated. My libido and sex drive came back. I've been losing fat. I'm stronger and recovering faster from my workouts and my hair is coming in thicker and it even stopped falling out. If my story resonates with you, I highly recommend you try BioPro Plus for yourself. When you feel it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. And for a limited time, you can save $30 on your order by going to bioproteintech.com and entering discount code biohacks. That's B-I-O-P-R-O-T-E-I-N-T-E-C-H.com and discount code B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S. 